don't negatively self-talk. I'm, I'm looking at you, Peyton and Kyler and Jeremy. Don't negatively self-talk. You're a good person. You just made some mistakes. You're a good person. You're very creative. Don't doubt yourself. All right. You can get through those hurdles. So don't doubt yourself. Sorry, I gotta talk. You're like to the, the only person I've ever had this talk to the camera that much, and I'm like, I feel like I've been missing out on doing well, it. Yeah, you know, there's there's gonna be people watching because this is a very fun show to be on. Collab or die, everybody. <laughs> Collab or die. Subscribe, like the video, um, and make sure that you subscribe to the Instagram, to the YouTube channel, to the Facebook. Do people still use Facebook? Oh, people yeah. still use Facebook, uh, and make sure that you you engage with the content because there's a lot of good information here that you should really take into account you know he's bringing people in here for you we're always collaborating at all times with the universe in this area it's really easy to get stifled by the lack of uh supportive creative network around and it's not like there aren't creative people here it's that more often than not these creative people can't coalesce and like get together and find yeah. some way to like i mean you go to some of the cities that have like art collectives and things like that you see a lot of really cool shit getting done because they have each other to kind of feed off there's of. kind of an understanding of yeah. everyone getting together to do this thing whereas right. here we're a little too spread out in terms of our goals i think right well yeah it's that and there's no infrastructure yeah so it's like you're if you're you know if you're a musician you have to have a place to be able to practice that's like old hat that's not like a big deal that's like the classic garage band story right but when you're uh you know a filmmaker or you're even like uh, my uh my nephew um nicknamed bub for privacy reasons he is uh really good at 3d animation and rendering or he's not i wouldn't say he's really good but he's getting better and he's young like he's yeah. like not a teenager yet yeah and he just got accepted into a program where he's going to be able to, like, learn the shit that he's really interested in, which is really, really cool, I think. And so I subscribed to him on YouTube, and some of his videos just randomly get, like, a couple thousand views. And they're 3D renders of, like, Godzilla. He's on Godzilla right now Ooh, in stop motion. I love Godzilla. And uh, did you see Across the Spider-Verse? Not yet. Okay. Not so, yet. So when you get the chance to see it, there is a scene in there. That was done by a 14-year-old kid. I have seen kid. that okay. scene. So that because that has been spoiled as soon as for, the movie for, came. For everybody, for everybody. Yeah. So in um, you know, the kid that got to do that was 14 years old. So mm -hmm. he's he's only a year or two older than my nephew. And I was like, wow, what like when we speak about representation, it's really easy to jump to like race and ethnicity and things like that. But like when you think about kids seeing that they can pull this stuff off now, because if I'd known that. At 11 years old, if I had seen some movie, if uh, Titanic mm -hmm. was all done by some 14 year old kid who had a model and was just really good at working in water, you know, like I would have my mind would have been blown. I'd be like, there's no way I could do that. And my older brother, Brandon, kind of did this to me already with with music. Like okay. he, he was uh, he I remember getting his first CD in the mail. I asked him to send me one. And I was like, this is my brother singing and playing guitar. This is his band. It's not on the radio, but I'm still listening to it on the car stereo. So like that, it shouldn't have blown my mind. Obviously there's small scale like bands and there's yeah. like artists all around, but I'd never known any of them that recorded. So like my brother was the first like younger DIY 
person who recorded the record that sounded good. Like to be clear, I had live show demos from friends oh, that were just like, yeah, yeah, one yeah. mic in a room. Similar story with my brother. He wanted to be a rapper. And then I guess that's how I got into like creativity stuff. Cause he would always ask me, does this sentence make sense? I was the smart one in the family. <laughs> I was the poindexter. So yeah, anytime yeah, yeah. they would do something creative, they'd be like, Pablo, does this make sense at all? Does this, is that even a word? I'm like, yeah, that's yes. The word synonymous. Yes. That's a word. Yeah, that is a word. Yeah. And this is how you spell it actually. Yeah. I had some weird affinity for spelling whenever I was a kid. I was really, really good at it. I remember my first grade teacher, Mrs. Martin, she would give you a scratch and sniff sticker on your spelling test if you got all 10 of them right. And I was addicted to scratch and you sniff stickers. You got strawberry, man. Yeah. You got why? Well, yeah. There was a handful of them that were interesting. Uh, man, we were basically just breathing chemicals. But the reward system in my brain being activated by learning how to spell things. Like I didn't like for a little while I needed to be told. And then after that, the fascination was already there. So yeah. as a kid, I was like, okay, I want to learn this word. And like the eyes before E's and all that stuff like that never bothered me. Cause I was like, I'm just going to memorize what these words are. And then that has served me so well in my entire life. And it started in first grade. So like, there's something to be said for this representation of youth in mm -hmm. major motion picture films and not just on the acting scale, but in the, Gen production general production stuff. talent yeah. side of things yeah it's, it's absolutely insane. and it's funny that you bring up your nephew because my nephew is the exact same way he's seven years old and making stop motion movies with clay and like his little toys i buy him like those um art sketch right right toys. yeah yeah the, and the he'll just wireframe he'll rip it off the wireframe so that he can manipulate it how right. he wants yeah i brought him up here for uh arts fest last year okay and on the ride up, it was like a two-hour ride. He's sitting directly behind me. And all I see is just his little head come around my shoulder. And he's like, Uncle Pablo, who's your favorite director? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's a weird question for a seven-year-old yeah, to ask. Right. But you know what? I'll play along. Oh, I don't know. Christopher Nolan, maybe. Right. And he straight up looks at me and says, you're wrong. It's David Fincher. And I'm like, why are you watching his movies? Yeah. <laughs> And how is he your favorite? Let's be honest. Right? What are you understanding from these movies? He's like, I just like the shots. And I'm like, okay, so you can understand composition. That's pretty cool. And then he just, Or he likes the terminology, right? He heard yeah. somebody say it and he was like, oh, yeah. That's an, somebody Possibly, asked me that yeah, question. Yeah. This is how, I wonder how other people are going to answer this question. I just had an issue with him taking a shot at Christopher Nolan <laughs> for no reason. He's like, well, you're wrong. Yeah, and then Oppenheimer comes out. In two so days exciting. from the time of filming this, right? Are you doing Barbenheimer or Oppen Harvey? Uh, I feel like it's going to have to be Oppen Harvey. Yeah. Because. I got to I gotta end on a feel good. Yeah. I feel like the process for seeing Oppenheimer has got to be you go to the theater sometime early in the afternoon, IMAX, obviously, the right IMAX, obviously. And then you're going to need probably a nap, a food, <laughs> some like post-coital bliss to like soothe your way out of what you're going to feel walking yeah. out of it. I feel like it's, it's one of these movies that I think is going to be, you know, this is pre it coming out. All I've seen are like the featurettes and things. Yeah. But my early onset prediction of it is this might be like Christopher Nolan's magnum opus. That's like this, what everyone's saying, man. And also not even just for him, but culturally in a time where we're worried about, you know, a potential world war three, every Four 15 seconds, minutes. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah, yeah. Right on time. There it is. Uh, you know, this is going to be a cautionary tale, you know, and, and like his bomb wasn't even the biggest bomb. Mm -hmm. Like it was just the first. It, the Trinity test is like. It was the 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 proceeding of all of that starting. Right, right. And he got he there's a he was famously asked, like, when should we have uh, acknowledged like when we should have 
pull back or whatever after I think the czar bomb was dropped. Mm-hmm. And that was like, that's the biggest explosion ever yeah. we've done. And uh, he was like, after the Trinity test, like when we were done with that, we should have started putting stuff in bins and burying it yeah. and setting it on fire. Cause you figure like he had to, he had to be a part of, he was like kind of the leader of the team of people that have to like create this bomb. And he's the only one, not psycho, but like curious enough to poke the bear basically and figure it out. And I'm so curious as to how they handle that in the movie. And right. just like the different relationships with everyone involved, including the government. I, I really want to see how that plays out. Yeah through a you know a scripted narrative because even robert downey jr is like putting out posts oh this is the best thing i've ever been in in my entire That's what life i'm saying and i feel like a lot of those actors feel like that and that can't be for nothing obviously it's a star-studded cast every one of those guys I think it's because is, he he approaches all his movies like truly independent it's like a blockbuster independent style that he goes for yeah similar with a24 yep it, it they go all hog and he he is just able to bring that blockbuster feel to it that I think Michael Bay has like capitalized on during right, the, right, right. you know the 2010s right he All had the Transformer that, yeah, movies blockbuster for the summer now Christopher Nolan's like blockbuster for the summer but maybe think a little uh, yeah yeah maybe it's a decade yeah maybe. yeah I I feel like I watched an interview where he was sort of talking about the the process of like how you how like why he landed on this and how he started landing on actors mm-hmm. and. Like he didn't write with the intent to have anybody. He wasn't writing for for a character. Like he wasn't writing somebody. Like he wasn't writing Killian Murphy to be the lead. Right. You know, he was just writing the character as like true to life as he could kind of figure out a way to n- mash that narrative in, to then also ending on this like epic explosion. And the thing is, is like it's one of those things where we all know it's coming. Yeah. And we are, and you've seen the clips in the movies, and those already look super impressive. So it's like what we're gonna get in theaters is going to be the rest of what we weren't shown. And it's just going to, I think it's going to leave a lot of people with their jaws on the floor. I'm so excited. And he said like, he didn't, he didn't cast this movie by writing the parts for the, for people he was trying to cast. He he wrote the parts and then he was like, you know, he'd never gotten to work with Killian Murphy as a lead actor. Mm -hmm. You know, he was a scarecrow in the Batman franchise. I don't know what else he's done with him. I think he's done something else with him, but was he? In, no. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was. But still not a, not a lead role, right? So to give him a lead in this and be somebody that he's already comfortable with and then to like just look at his cheekbones, like he just cried. Like to know that that is him and not actually Oppenheimer, you're still like, mm, there's a case yeah. to be made for them cheekbones. Though. Yeah. Like, I saw a side by side and I was like, wow, this is like perfect. Right. It's like <laughs> great casting. Almost. Uh, yeah, so I'm really excited about it. But I'm also really excited to have you on the podcast, Pablo Lopez. Uh, you know, I hesitate to call you like a local filmmaker because your your spirit is not that. You're just you are tangentially located here right now. Right. But now. that is like obviously this is early steps in your journey too. And I think for being in what I think we are both like early in our careers when it comes to like the development of that side of ourselves. Yeah. Um, you know, you're really you do something really profound and it's like you you actually, you don't just dream, you do, you execute. You can actually put like a, like a team of people around what you do. You understand more of the infrastructure of the pre-production and production side of things that gets you to the post-production side yeah. of things. And you're such a great collaborator. Like you're so interested in bringing the best out of everybody in that situation. And that's like, that's almost, it's not that it's unheard of in the area, but I can't name anybody else. And, and maybe that's my short, small circle of people that I know, but I've never seen anything come out of this area that really kind of 
wowed me or shocked me or like made me feel like, wow, there's this could be the next LA or anything Damn, like I that. Appreciate you know? that, man. That means a lot. Cause I, I feel the same about you. Like anytime I see anything from Relic Hearts, I'm like, how are they not like charting <laughs> number one, like at every freaking concert that could possibly be? Cause so, the way that you guys create your music videos, your voices, oh my gosh, the way you play everything about, and i'm not even into that type of music as like my my go-to right, right but right. anytime your stuff pops up i'm like i need to watch this because i know that you put in time i know that you put in effort and there's not a lot of people like that in the area that actually see the vision through the whole way yeah 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 i think that's a big part of it uh I, for me i didn't really anticipate getting into that side of thing like when we our first music video we did as relic hearts was royals and i remember like I had a couple of friends that were helping me out. I think I borrowed a Canon 60D and somebody had an FS 700 that had like the 240 uh, P frame rate yeah. uh, mode where it could like burst mode. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so you can't film the whole video like that. You wouldn't want to, the file size would be massive. <laughs> so I'm like, what would I use that for? I'm like, well, it's gotta be something that's gonna look cool in slow motion. So I'm like, oh, all right, okay. And then I literally used the shot like right away in the beginning of the music video. And I think that maybe had something to do with it is I converse with other YouTubers that have like massive followings on mm -hmm. YouTube. And I asked them what's in their sauce. You know, you, you kind of observe different patterns and different thought processes into what has made it work for them. And that's not to say that they're wrong or anybody's wrong. It's like that may be the process that mm -hmm. they have, you know, trial and error their way into figuring out is what works for them. And so I feel like ours works for us. It's been very complicated and uphill battle with a steep learning curve on like new equipment and this, that, and the other thing. But I didn't, I didn't plan to be a video production guy, but thankfully I already love doing it yeah. and I have that attention to detail. And so you're I, good at it. I, I think so too. I get the, I get those notes a lot. And I say that in the, like the least conceited way possible. Cause I otherwise think everything I do sucks. Like everything I look at, I'm like, could have done better. Could have done this better. Would have done this better. Definitely should have gotten this shot while I was there. I didn't get it, and I definitely should have. And now I'm regretting it. Well, like, I mean, not not everything can be perfect. I actually, I heard something this morning. I can't remember exactly where I heard it from, but it was a quote where it was like, "You can be humble to the point where you disappear in a room. So you got to take you got to take your laurels, man. You got to take your yeah. flowers and your praises. Where did you hear you, that from? I can't even remember. I think it was Tyrese on like a Facebook <laughs> reel thing or whatever. Right. But it hit so hard because I'm someone who like with my production company, I make sure that everyone knows that if they fail, it lands on the company and if their film succeeds, it lands on them. And I will always push the creator forward. And sometimes I feel like I'm pushing myself back because I'm humbling myself too much to the point where I'm saying, no, none of this is because of me. It's only because of you. And so when I heard that quote this morning, I was like, damn, that is something I do. I don't give myself enough credit yeah. for, for the work that I put in. Yeah, because it's hard because you know that complacency is where your dreams go to die. If mm -hmm. you want to continue to like forge into new territory and try new things and and push the envelope for whatever that looks like creatively for you. It doesn't matter what artist you are. Mm -hmm. If you're if you're pushing the envelope for yourself, that is it's hard to say, yeah, what I'm doing is really good. I mean, I guess I've never had that, like, I've never been like a confident savant of any kind where I've just been like, yeah, I definitely crushed that. True. That's not true. I now and later on in life, I definitely do. I think I start started to now, you know, in the recent couple of years. Well, it's hard when you feel like you don't have accolades that kind of contribute to the, you know, 
the the wall of accolades that you're trying to collect. True. So it's difficult when you think, well, I mean, yeah, I did this or yeah, I've done this, but how big is that? It's like a splash in the pond. Like getting an Emmy, I was like, okay. Uh, or yeah, getting an Emmy. <laughs> I want a Grammy so bad that I can't remember. Like I'm at the place of delusional self thought where I can't remember no, no, which no, one I got. That's called manifesting. That's yeah, called yeah, manifesting. yeah. Yeah. And if I fuck around and find out and get an Oscar, <laughs> if I go to the Oscar route, then I'm just, just because I think I hate the EGOT term, I might consider picking up dancing and seeing if I can bring, uh, you know, Channing Tatum out of retirement to do one more. Do it. Like, a, like catch him. 10 years down the road doing one fight. Like this was supposed to be the last magic mic. So I've heard could, could be your Rocky moment where right. he's training you <laughs> right? that last dance. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe I'm even Drago. Who knows? Maybe I'm like the bad guy. Maybe I'm a, I'm a bad guy. And I, for whatever reason, this gets best dance. Performance. Yeah. You don't take off clothes. You put them on. Right, right, right. I'm like, I have respect for yourself. Kind of guy. I get it. I get it. This is a great <laughs> plot for a movie. <laughs> I, I love doing that with you. We, we usually just sit down and we'll end up randomly just bantering and coming up with things that could be, actually fun yeah, to do yeah. yeah you put enough time in them but i think that's my fatal flaw it's like i can't think of i can't go like five minutes without being like that would be a great concept for a movie i need to write that down if you look at my notes on my phone i have like pages yeah of you just, just scroll through notes yeah just this is a great plot device this would be a good MacGuffin. yeah this is a great character name like all throughout the days i'll be like that's a broken brick I would love that shot in a movie. Let me take a picture. Of it. Right, right, right. You said, well, it's hard as a filmmaker to not see everything as an opportunity to capture yeah. something. I was driving with Carlos was it yesterday or the day before. He oh, yeah. he was like, I keep having this, you know, the short story I want to do, and now like I'm having dreams about these shots that I want to get. And we were just driving around. He's like, oh, I just can't get these shots out of my head. And I'm like, Yeah, that's that's the that's the bug right there yeah. you, you got it sorry bro yeah. yeah uh but yeah that's a really good quote to to not you know humble yourself to the point of disappearing in a room and you have to toe that line right because you yeah. also don't want to be this like super arrogant guy either. yeah which but is I mean, why i think i back up most of the time right is because i i do want to collaborate with a swath of people i right. believe that there is no right way to be creative even the most novice people are inherently just really creative to the point where they want to be creative. That's how I see it. Like if you are telling yourself, I want to be creative in this field, you're creative enough for me to want to help you. Right. Because you are putting it out there into the universe. Yeah. So I don't, was it, I don't know if it was the same day you came over, but uh, I had Maddie Fresh is going to be the episode that plays right before yours. And uh, he came in and he was like, I'm not a musician. I'm like, bro, you just hit 5 million streams on a song you wrote about a, you know, quarterback, at Penn State. No, he's not a musician. Like, you're not a musician? Like, what is, like, what? He's a legend. He's not You've a made up some qualifiers that you're letting yourself tell yourself mean you are not this thing that you very clearly are. Only, wow. Only musicians have songs that stream millions of times and get called musicians because of it. Like. I love that. That was beautiful. But it's interesting when you think about it. Like, I, I think the other reason that you kind of are able to kind of toe the line well is that you're helping. You're like, you're going out of your way to help. So it's hard to feel like you're being arrogant, but you realize there's a time and a place for where you're kind of like singing your laurels and, yeah. and like praise it out there. I, I feel like you're humble enough to realize the difference. And that's why it's not, I mean, you know, in the film community, there are some people that it is grating to be near because everything they do is the next big thing. And I don't know what you got going on, but like, and honestly, that's funny because to me, those people don't really bother me as much. 
it's the people who I mean, they, they bother me sometimes. I'm not going to lie about that. But th- <laughs> there are, there's another subset of people who, and I used, I feel like I used to be one of these people before I actually started moving my feet, who will sit and talk about what they want to do and then bag on everybody else who is doing it, maybe not to the standard that they themselves yeah, they think they could be doing it and failing, but like right. they talk, they have, they found room to talk shit because they're, they're failing instead of like realizing, Hey, you're mean, not doing anything. Meanwhile, right they're now. not like, moving at all and staying stagnant. And it's not because of the, the hater talk that I don't like them. It's, it's the fact that they would rather waste that time complaining about someone who's actually doing something than doing it themselves. And if you ask me to help you, I'll help you move. Right. I'll make you move. I'll, right. I'll make sure, because that's the one thing that I always tell anyone that I collaborate with is if you have an idea and you want to see it through and you work with me, it's it gonna will get, get there. done. Right. Like, and you've got the track the record day, that shows that. It will get done. Maybe it won't be a million dollar project like you dreamed up in the first inception of it, right. but it'll be a really good project that you could be proud of at the end of it that you can use to get that million dollar yep. project down the line. Yeah, I think it's hard when you think your your vision has to be hit the first time and it's just like an instrument, man. Like mm-hmm. every release you do is just you practicing a song. Yeah. You know, so like figuring out to, one piece of it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's a that's a really interesting point, actually. It really is what it is. Like every everything you do, we look at everything like it's going to be this like thing we're going to put out and we're like, ah, I did it. But that's never the feeling. The feeling is like you're on to the next. So I guess in my perspective, I've, I've started in, to look at it as though you need to just kind of get through it because mm-hmm. you're going to find things that are weaknesses and you're going to you'll look back and I don't, I don't know anybody that looks back on any of their projects and says, yep, that was perfect as is like everybody's got the ability to continue to edit or mix or True. change or alter this thing over time. The if you one, have time to sit the there and look at it. The one quote is you're never done with your film. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You just have to find a way to make peace with it and drop the damn thing off so you can move on to the next thing. And what's funny is I, you kind of feel empathy for the people that, talk shit and don't get started because it's scary to start Mm -hmm. because you have to eat crow. You have to know it's going to suck. You have to know it's not going to be exactly what you wanted it to be. And you got to do it with a smile on your face sometimes. (laughs) You You got to eat shit and grin. You have a team. You know, you want to remind them that it it was for something. Yeah. You don't don't want to put that face. "Mm, It's it's not as good as as I thought, so I'm not going to release it. Right. We've looked at it like the the learning potential of every project that you take on Mm -hmm. is somehow, you know, if it's not what you wanted it to be, that only getting learning potential out of it kind of is like a disservice to the the project you did. But the reality is like, you just have to like all of it. You don't know everything yet. You don't know all these hurdles you're going to run into on your first film. You have to go through that process trial and trial by fire and trial and error are probably the two best, best methods for being able to figure out, where you want to go exactly. and what, what you want to do to course correct and get to where you're trying to go with your art. Exactly. And the fact that, I mean, experience requires that learning period. You know, that's how you get the experience by failing. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just going to keep doing the same thing and never actually learning from your mistakes. And you're never going to get hired because no one's going to trust that you know what to do. Right. But you need to fail. And if you have a good team, Dark Mind Productions, yeah. uh, we will make sure that you you fail gracefully and that you fail and have a good time because at the end of the day, you are going to fail at something. Right. You know, I try to put out 
as many projects as I can. And I try to learn one aspect of that film that I can do better for the next film. Okay, so with The Door, The Door, I just wanted to do a scene. Okay, the scene where they teleport into the forest. That's it. Because I wanted to learn how to do that effect. That's Get it. that process. Literally, yeah. that's the only reason I made the film. And it is an 18-minute film just because I wanted to do five One seconds. One scene. Yeah, yeah, five seconds of the film. And through that process, I realized it didn't need to be perfect because everyone was having fun. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, once everyone had fun, they were willing to put more towards it. And it became what it is. And I'm very thankful for everyone that helped out. But you have to learn to fail because if I didn't fail initially, I wouldn't have tried again to do it properly. Right. And even if you didn't necessarily fail because uh, it could be like the, the type of content you did mm -hmm. is just going to flop. Mm -hmm. Like it's maybe the, the concept isn't that great. The it's audience still, everything else about it is great. Yeah. Or you haven't, you don't find your audience. So you feel like it flops, but we kind of see these resurgence of like older films that people would discover when, you know, Netflix or prime decided to slap on a yeah. new recently added category and they throw some movie that some, you know, Gen Z kid or millennial hasn't seen or whatever. That's from, you know, a time when they would have been too little, maybe I'd understand yeah. it. And I've been having a blast going back and watching movies that I remember remembered watching as a kid and seeing all these scenes of me and like getting new oh, context. That's what that yeah. meant. Like that's really messed up. There's a scene in uh, don't tell mom, the babysitter's dead where the boss, I forget her name. She's telling uh, the lead actress. Man, I'm blanking on her, too. She was on Married with Children. She was the teen daughter. She's in... Christina Applegate? Yes. Yes. And so she's telling the girl... She said something about, like, a cucumber, and she was like, oh, I don't have cucumbers. And she was like, what grown woman doesn't have a cucumber at home? And I was like, <laughs> way over five-year-old me's head watching that movie because there's so much other fun stuff to enjoy yeah. about it. And uh, it's great that films have the opportunity to kind of be the gift that keeps on giving whenever they're, they're set up under these Toy Story is like really good yeah. at that. I feel like the Pixar movies oh, are they, really they good. They have at, a lot of stuff under the, the rug <laughs> and over your head, which is crazy. Yeah. And it's like, that's great. I love that because it allows you the opportunity to rewatch and find something new. It's why I like Rick and Morty. Like I, I love shows that I can watch multiple times through and catch these little nuanced details as they grow. And you don't learn how to bake any of that in until you learn how to do what you're doing, until you learn how to assemble a team of people that understand your vision and if that's what you're trying to do. And learn how to talk to them and yeah. learn how to collaborate and take suggestions. That was a big thing for me. Uh, just because of criticism and like growing up and my family was very hard on me since I was like the only responsible person. <laughs> taking criticism was very hard for me. And opening myself up to uh, a crew in particular that saw my vision and wanted to make it better and being able to just be like, oh, wait, you know, he said that my idea didn't didn't work very well, but he did bring another good idea to the table that still works. That's all you I know? ask. You if you've got gotta, notes, that's fine. If you're something you don't like about something yeah. I've come up with, that's fine. Offer an alternative. Don't yeah. say, I just don't like that. That's the thing. Yeah. That's Offer the, the worst. It's the and, worst. And I think once, you know, once I established the crew that I, I constantly work with now, Matt Jacobs, Ted Ro uh, Rosenblum, um, Rachel Sweeney, Ian uh, Adelson in New York, uh, Floor One Productions, like working with people who have their own perspectives and are able to bring their own creativity to the table has opened me up to to be able to receive all that and learn from it. Yeah. You know, because I only see things from my perspective. Right. Right. And I have a very weird background, which not a lot of people can relate to. 
And I feel a lot of times like I can't relate to people. That's why Dark Mind Productions, you know, I have right, a lot right, of right. Uh, issues in my past. And so I really I'm, I'm starting to thrive on that collaboration and the feedback and realizing that they're there to help me just as much as I'm there to help them because they also see the vision that I'm I'm proposing to everyone. And kind there, of like you. There's also something about if you are like sort of like a natural leader in some sort of way and you can actually – you possess the capability to organize a group of people and you have a vision, people can fall in line really quickly with something they they see the vision for, they believe in. And so when you have a team of people that you assemble like that, it's like everybody gets to learn through all the collective mess-ups we're going to make and nobody has to feel like solely responsible for it. Yeah. Do you remember like the first negative review you got uh, – or not review necessarily but like – negative thing that somebody said about a uh, a short piece of content that you created or a short film or uh well uh there was a a project that I did that I didn't really to be honest I didn't I didn't really put enough time or effort behind it now looking at it in hindsight right 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 and the criticism that I got originally was that I didn't really care about film and that the the project itself showed how how little I respected the craft. And if you know me at all. That's not true. Film is literally the only thing I live and breathe. The reason I make films is because I picture myself when I was younger, learning everything I could from the world, from movies. My family didn't really speak to me that much. I, like I said, I was the poindexter. My brothers were you know, thugs and gangsters and whatnot, sleeping girls and things like that. So <laughs> I was the nerd. I was the the one that was kind of like pushed to the side, relegated to my room all the time. So film was like literally how I made my friends and cracking jokes and learning jokes yep. from movies and stuff like that. And so I feel like my path is to leave films for a kid in the distant future who's yeah. going to end up like me. Yeah. You might need those friends that I'm trying to plant in these movies subliminally. <laughs> and we're in an age where we digest more content than ever. So it's like you you never know who your audience is going to be. Exactly. And if it doesn't hit right away, that doesn't mean it's not going to be, you know, revitalized later and, and discovered at a point in time later where it gets all of the, you know, the praise and understanding that maybe you were looking for in the beginning. You got to fail now. Yeah. While you have the time. Fail now. <laughs> it's super important, man. I, I remember uh, what was your experience with that? Uh, I took it harshly. Um, <laughs> you're like, I did you know, yeah, not react no, well. I got, I'm, Turned to school down, I'm pretty actually. sure I got up and just left. <laughs> but um, it took me like a month to realize what he was saying. And then I kind of just, you know, put myself back together again. And that was a professor, you know. And I had another professor say that uh, I'm probably not going to make it anywhere. And I think that's when I really took it to heart and was like, all right, if I want people to take me seriously, I got to do it seriously. And then, yeah, there's something to be said for that chip on the shoulder, man. Something to be said about watch me prove you wrong. Oh, yeah, dude. for sure. And I mean, I I love both of those teachers. Even with them saying that stuff, I they helped me out. Was it an assignment you just didn't really want to do? Was it like not interesting or engaging? Did you have to come up with something you just didn't like? Or? Uh, I think I learned at that point that I was spreading myself a little too thin. Okay. Uh, in the film department at Penn State, I was at the the year that I was there. I was producing uh, about seven to nine projects all at once, mostly because nobody else had producers to help right. produce it. And most of the people wanted to be directors. Like everybody wants to be a director. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so I, I just took it upon myself to help because that's what I do. And that's a fatal flaw of mine is I just help. <laughs> um, so I think spread, my is helping people. Yeah, spreading myself too thin led to the assignments being not the strongest and then my personal assignments being very weak. And yeah. so, yeah, I kind of just had to grin and bear it. I left and then I, I kind of just had to be real with myself and admit that if if all the teachers are saying the same thing, then it's probably me who needs to change right. something in my routine. And I just took it a little bit more seriously. And now I meet people like you and I get to do cool projects and I'm trying to take it, you know, one to two projects at a time. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Slow and steady wins the race. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, my grandma said that before she died in a fire. <laughs> yes, I don't know if it always yeah. translates. Uh, man, I I remember the first time. I was super neurotic and scared and nervous about releasing, like, my first. When we we kind of stopped doing the, the band that we did on Vans Warp Tour. We were kind of in this like limbo where it was like, okay, we're going to regroup and do some new music. Mm -hmm. And I kind of want to, we're going to rebrand ourselves. We're going to do a lot of work to kind of figure out what direction we want to go, because I feel like what we were doing was getting us certain things, but it wasn't setting us up for success long-term. Like it was like short-term gains, nothing long-term mm -hmm. building. And it was just a byproduct of uh, I mean, there were a bunch of things that were a byproduct of, but when we switched over and we decided to like start, I said, I was like, all right, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to do this. If you want to come with me, please, by all means, come with me. Uh, I would love to keep working with you guys. There's nothing against you guys or anything like that. I just need to shift it from, I want to get away from this brand that we've been attached to for like the last eight years that has like done very little to service. I want to kind of, you know, see what we can do if we can try a new method and see what success we see in, in that endeavor. And I, so by the time we got to, you know, two and a half years in and we're, uh, when we, we launched and yeah, so we started in like 2013, we were doing our first full length in the summer of 2015 and we didn't release it for a full year. And I was so nervous what the reviews were going to be and how people were going to digest it. I was really proud of the work, but you never know what somebody's going right, to say. Yeah. And it's not like I ultimately, I really cared clearly because the first, I, I don't even remember when it happened after the record came out, but somebody with like no subscribers on YouTube or no following of any kind, like a terrible, like dog shit green screen hanging behind him that he's not even <laughs> utilizing. So it's just like, a, it's, just a it's just like a cloth of green screen that's kind of hanging out. It's like, there's no production value to this, this YouTube channel that he started to review music. And he does, didn't even do a lot of music reviews. Mm -hmm. We were like one of a handful. So I was like, what is the focus here? Like what, why did you just pick us? And he goes through it and he listens to the record and he kind of gives a play-by-play -play of each song and what he thinks of it. And he's just saying the most like, yeah, I mean, it's all right. It's kind of oh, generic. Wow. And he's just like, these are things that are connected to like memories and moments yeah. and interactions that I've had with people and the culmination of the efforts and, you know, blood, sweat, and tears of several other individuals that were a part of this project. And we hired, um, our buddy Jesse Lawson used to be in a band called Sleeping With Sirens. And after he left the band, I was like, hey, like, I loved a lot of the songs that I know you were the writer on for Sleeping With Sirens. Would you want to come and do some co-writes and kind of co-produce this record with us? And he was like, absolutely. So he came down and we it was just a really uh, ambitious effort. And to hear this guy just be like, eh, it's nothing I haven't heard before. <sighs> eh, you know, like, mm, it's not very it's not, it's not very catchy or like, uh. And so he he had like a few random like 
you know, you get a compliment sandwich. Yeah. This is like an insult sandwich. Oh, God. So it was like, shit on me, shit on me, shit on me. And then the burger will be that, you know, the guy's voice sounds pretty good. And then it's like, shit on me, shit on me, shit on me. Put the button on the bottom and you're good. And it was the best thing that could have ever happened to me because I finally got to get over the hurdle of having somebody say all of this yeah. shit. And then I realized I'm like, you know what? It wouldn't matter if this was, this dude was in charge of millions of dollars and could change my life like that. If he didn't like it, there's going to be people that have that capability that if they find it and they don't like what you're doing, be that tattoos, film, you know, music, anything, they're just not going to bite. And that's, that's their prerogative. They're, their taste, their, you know, curiosities, their mm -hmm. interests, their values, whatever it is that ties into whether or not they do or di don't digest your work is, has nothing to do with you. And so it kind of shifted my perspective into this, like, okay, I'm going to have all these thoughts and ideas that I'm going to compile into this big project, whatever it is. Maybe it's a song, maybe it's a music video, maybe it's a documentary, whatever. But then whenever I release it, I'm like, okay, I'm like, I'm at peace. I'm done. Like I got to do the work to promote it and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. that's, easier at that point because you've got everything done you're just pulling assets from like videos that you've already yeah. done but when you're sitting with it and you're like oh how's it gonna uh, how's it gonna go over i don't know just get it out if you just release it you never know i i have people that message me about lyrics and stuff that they're like what did you mean by this and i'm like happy to explain it to them i'm like what how did you think i meant it and i love finding out what they what they took from what i was saying and the wording that i used that's and pretty cool i'm pretty deliberate with my word choice like I, I try to like branch out into like word families and uh, i love like idioms and all kinds of like you know uh adages and things like that that just kind of stick in your brain as like, yeah. a thing you've heard a hundred times and you don't know where so and i try to be clever with my like rhyme schemes and just a, like word play and all of it so to have somebody take it one way and know that I meant it another way is like a blessing. Cause you're like, oh cool. It meant that what it meant to me. And now it gets to mean something new to you. And I didn't have to go through this whole process yeah. of doing something else for it to mean that to you. If I were trying to capture them as like uh, you know, a potential fan or not, you know, an audience member. And it just kind of goes to show that you just can't, there's so much you do have control of when you're creating it. But the second you are done and you release it, you have succeeded. That is the success. The success is you finished the project and released the project. It doesn't have to be anything else. We kind of like try to attach, you know, not necessarily monetary success, but like rave reviews or like, right, you know, yeah. wide, well-received, you know, uh, commentary on it. And you just don't have any control over that. Yeah. So it's like, why bother? You just put it out. Yeah. And I take, take, take the temperature, see what it, where it kind of lays and things and be like, all right, readjust on to the next one. Like I can't be married to this thing if it dies. Exactly. And that's funny because I've been working on a process with the people that I collaborate in order to kind of, uh, move past that point a little quicker. Whereas in the middle of production, I start talking to them about what their next project might be, how they could start developing it now now that we're closer to the end of this project right because everything takes time right everything takes time and if you if you leave too much of a gap between you know the thought process not necessarily the physical doing of the thing but the thought process of this project is over i want to do this project if there's too much of a big gap between there then you start worrying oh is this gonna you know be received well are people gonna understand what i'm trying to tell them so i always always try to make sure that 
the people that I'm collaborating with are thinking about their next movie because I will send them interview questions and be like, so what's what's the next movie that we can expect from you as a director or what are you writing now or like what can we be excited for for the future for you? And that puts them in a mindset of, oh, this isn't the only thing that I have to offer. I have so many other creative endeavors that I know I want to do now that this one's settled. I can let post take care of it and I'll move on to the next one. And then from there, Dark Mind takes care of marketing and everyone's happy. Everyone's moving forward. We're doing things and we're not wasting creative time. Yeah, it's a great litmus test for being able to see whether or not somebody is truly a part of this creative process, whether or not they've sort of like been indoctrinated by it so that it's like <laughs> a part of every fiber of their being. Yeah. And when you can see somebody who's already got other projects and ideas in mind, you know that this is just a part of who they're always going to be. And if you're a partner with somebody like that, that means those wheels are always going to be turning for everybody. I got a question for you. Go for it. Actually, now that you say that, I got a question for you. Are you someone who will have an idea, an, an incredible idea that you <laughs> just have to work on it now? And as you're working on it, another one comes along and you stop this one to make sure that this one is started and then come back to this one when you have more to fill. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I am in this perpetual state of having so many stokes and so many different fires mm -hmm. because same, same. I believe you just, you, you know, you can't pull them out at, at will whenever you want to. Exactly. Sometimes things need to marinate. Sometimes it's an idea. Sometimes people need to sit on this concept before they decide they want to be a part of the team or not. Sometimes this is like, I got to wait for a few things to come in before I can do these things, but I could have it's a, this interesting cacophony of like weird, constant revolving doors and yes. cycling through ideas and stuff. And somehow it seems like it makes sense in my I head. I love it. It's my favorite way of working. And I get stuff done. So yeah. like I can't complain about it. Would I love there to be more organization to it? Sure. But without having like that part-time assistant who can like literally run my books and check my schedule and make sure I'm like having a lot of time to work on all of these things specifically when I need mm -hmm. to. And I also don't think that I can operate that way. I'm very much so like I need to be in tune with the creative yeah. muse that I have in my feel life. Feel the energy. Feel the music of the world telling you how to move that right. creative energy. Yeah. And I constantly jump from like one project to the next. Car Poor Carlos, man. He wanted an internship and I just gave <laughs> him laughing over I gave him I gave him basically a short trip to the slaughterhouse because like We've got so we have a project we have to film tomorrow. We were filming stuff this past week. I had to knock out a video on Monday so that it was ready for this event that took place today. Like, there's always this nonstop things going mm -hmm. on. And, you know, I, I've got some like this one that we're doing tomorrow isn't a paying gig. It's a it's like a it's an exercise. Mm -hmm. And truthfully, I, I could I almost exercises. believe that Carlos and I are like way past the point of wanting to do it because we've got a bunch <laughs> of other shit on our plates. But it's like, you know what? This is a good creative exercise to see just. Just that, uh, you know, catalytically inclined, let's just get through the process and mm -hmm. see what happens. We're going to hit snags. We don't have everything fine-tuned and planned out. This is going to be a run-and-gun situation, but it's also not a paid gig, so I'm not going to be married to how I feel about way the way it turns out creatively at the end of it. I just got to kind of – it's a it's a exercise. It's literally like, uh, you know, a, a mental health yeah, no, exercise. I, I totally understand because I do exercises a lot, um, especially when I don't have a client. And I know that my team is like yearning to do something. Yeah. So I'll write, I'll write a script and I'll be like this weekend, we'll have 24 hours. Let's see what we can do. Let's see how we can do this and how we can approach this. This is where we failed in our last couple projects. Let's pick one aspect and then focus on that yeah. for this exercise. That's and drilling. Then, That's exactly yeah, what that is. And, and if, if it pans out, 
awesome. We have right. a we have a short film to throw into festivals. If it doesn't, we have some clips. We can turn them into like real material, or you can use them for your portfolios. But at the end of the day, this is just an exercise. No pressure. But let's do the best that we can. Yeah, and if you succeed, you've mitigated the problem that you were suffering from before and shown that you know how to fix it. Mm -hmm. And that may not apply in every situation moving forward. But now that you know there definitely is a way we can fix this, mm -hmm. you enough of those, uh, you know, you do that five or six more times, you're going to be like, oh, okay, there is a way to kind of, you know, get around this thing that was kind of causing us issues on this first project back there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like that's a really hard pill to swallow and you're like, oh, yeah. uh, we're bored. We want to do something like I, I my dopamine fix is I love to hit people up and be like, hey, you want to do a portrait session? I got this new lens. Like, let's go somewhere and go check it out. Let's go. Let me take a few shots and see how it turns out. They're going to get something they like. It's going to give me something that I can turn around same day and be done with so I can feel like <laughs> get that dopamine. Yeah, hit. Yeah, I accomplished yeah. a task, but it's. It's super vital to do stuff like that because I can I can knock out a, a photo shoot from start to delivered photos within an hour or two, depending on how many photos are taking, you know, what how many locations, right, how many yeah. outfits, whatever. But that, uh, you know, that ambition of being in a position where you're interested in trying something just for the sake of trying it and seeing if you can fine tune areas, you know, pro troubleshooting areas, problem areas that you have when, within your production. Like if you're like, hey, we got to figure out what we're doing because like with uh audio like whoever's running sound like we need to find a way to get this better is it is it yeah. a mic issue is it a you know is it you're not wearing gloves and so i can hear your fingers tapping into the, the you xlr know, the, hitting the boom pole right yeah. exactly and and so if you can figure out a way to kind of give people these exercises to get, get through them that's all it takes it's like, like muscle memory man. yeah yeah for sure yeah they're all things that you either haven't done yet or you've done only a limited number of times and you're not a master if you've done them five yeah like you, you're gonna have to <laughs> and if there's too much space in between those fives right know? right 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 yeah. yeah yeah once it's not like you learn it and then you're good forever it's like you gotta knock the dust off i'm gonna be doing a green screen music video i haven't shot green screen in a while so i'm gonna have to knock the dust off of how i'm gonna key out certain things but what i don't forget about that is uh, how I set up what I want to film. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I want a higher shutter speed because I want less motion blur when the hands are moving and instruments, maybe there's spins or whatever. Like I want sharp jagged edges on all of my imagery so that I have that to basically get a clean key mm -hmm. without any of that weird motion blur going on in the background. I want to have a distance shot. I know how I'm going to set this up with like a... Are you doing the, the two lighting system, lighting the green screen, Pulling the actor forward, lighting the actor. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, it's the best way to do it because if you're too close to the green screen, you get the green spill. Mm -hmm. Running magenta is great, but then you start getting magenta in the hair and, and you in can't the skin do tones. Any, too, yeah, and in the skin tones. So it's like it's, it, it's. I think people misunderstand it. Like the magenta side of that is supposed to not. It's not neutralizing the green. It's just supposed. To, it has to be a very very light fill. Mm -hmm. It's just there to kind of eliminate some of what that hue is and that hue itself is only a reflection of light bouncing off of that and going on you so for anybody listening that doesn't have any fucking clue what we're talking I, about i hope you learned something there because uh we will not be repeating it and there will be a test oh, i'm not done there so, will be a test <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. be a test I, I i feel like once i figured out what it was i did and didn't like about doing like you, you green screen you're mm -hmm. like okay i did like a, I, I want that normal you know shutter speeds twice the frame rate and then you see the motion blur of somebody's hand moving. You're like, cool. It's just like a wash of like this. If they move fast, there's just like a wash of like, it's like a gray that it kind of yeah. keys it out to, which does you no good. And if it's too sharp, you don't get any of that fluidity. But for a rock music video, I think that's okay. So I, I actually have an app that I recommend to everyone. I'm not sponsored by them. If they want to sponsor me, that'd be great. Sponsor uh, him. Green screener. And it literally shows you color bands. 
based off of the degrees of uh, fall off from the light. Nice. And so if you can, if you get a really well diffused lighting setup, one side, I do two sides. I built these uh, bays that are basically like, like, Oh, so you're coming at it from bays. the side and not the top. Yeah. Okay. So I, I hit it from the side and then, <laughs> and then I, uh, <laughs> unnecessary. And then uh, I diffuse it and it, I like several layers of diffusion. It doesn't have to be overly well lit. It just has mm -hmm. to be evenly. Yeah. Lit. Yeah. And so the green screen or app will be like, okay, a good key. You're going to get a good key of this. If there's only one to two bands of, or if there's like two bands of color and you'll see like a gradient, it's like, Oh, it, it harshly separates them. So you can see where your lighting setup is maybe failing you. And so once I figured that out, I was like, Oh, it's game over. I'm going to green screen. I'm better than anybody that has ever done it at Penn state in the history of them doing it at Penn state. If you see any of the, any of the, this. any of the sports teams where they're like, they're turning around and they're like looking at the screen and their stats are all behind them. Check out the green hue on the side of the, oh, no, you, they you have can to see some of the, out. some of the, uh, what do, what do they call it? Uh, the jagged edges. Yeah. Like the, the flickering. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Cause you're getting like patchy key. It's like, and once I figured out, I was like, how does not everybody know this? Like we have state-of-the-art facilities here and the space to do it right. We're just not. What is that about? I, I just don't think, uh, I mean, I graduated from Penn State. I took some classes in the film department. Who would have thought? Um, <laughs> but like just knowing the education I got, I had maybe like four days of green screen training throughout my four years of right. being at the school so yeah i don't think they're training anybody on how to use that i honestly think it's because the students aren't really there to learn visual effects right if they had a more dedicated visual effects department i think you could find I, people that yeah. would niche into that yeah because i know go. i know if there was a department for that for me i would have taken that route instead of the producer route I just fell into the producer route because I'm such a good person and such a yeah. person. And, you know, I, I just love money so much. All that good stuff. Right. <laughs> um, no. Uh, but if there was a visual effects uh, part of the curriculum, I would have taken it so quick. I love anything that has to do with, you know, just making something fun out of a bunch of different clips. It's hard when the people that are teaching these classes, you really, you're not, a, you're not supposed to be a professor or a teacher or a TA. You're supposed to be a mentor. Mm -hmm. And so this pro like the, the way classes are structured is you'll only learn what they need to teach you to get you. They can't teach you everything. Even in a four year degree, mm -hmm. you can't learn all there is to learn about filming. Yeah. So the reality is it is a, always going to be a trial by fire thing, which is the best part about YouTube and TikTok popping off and social media content being something that is put, you know, the power of creativity back into the hands of the, the creators that have zero skill sets. There's a guy I follow that he does specifically. Um, I think his name is Sean Barnett or Sean, Sean Barrett. He's on TikTok and he does these videos where it's like, there's this like metalcore drum beat going on in the background. And he just does this like stupid dance. And he always says some sort of quote that is, he says something that is sort of like some piece of social commentary. Mm -hmm. So he can make these videos as often as he wants. And the scenery is ridiculous. Like he'll jump off of like this tall building and then like a giant whale will come in, like pick him, him and his buddy up. And then they'll just, and it's all green screen. It's all terribly done. It's like, but this aesthetic that he has hit, I, I know a bunch of my friends are so, I should have him on the podcast. If I can yeah, get him on, no, definitely. Hands down. If he comes on, I want to be part of that because yeah. that sounds amazing. And then I had a friend who does uh, tattoos, Courtney Ramondi, out of New York, and she moved to LA 
I, I think it's LA. And then she started doing tattoos out there. And then she, I like followed her on TikTok because mm -hmm. I follow my friends on TikTok. And then I followed him. Just I found him randomly. He was just popping up on my For You page. And I was like, this dude's hilarious. He did like a whole bit with like the insane clown posse oh, and how he's a juggalo. That's hilarious. And it's, it is so, it's like borderline cringy, but some of it is just straight out. Like he's had me howling some nights. And uh, randomly, I saw Two Worlds collide where she ended up in a TikTok with one of her friends and him and one of his friends. And I was like, oh my God, these people are meeting each other. And these are wildly creative, genuinely talented people that are, you know, getting together and finding some sort of way to coalesce and create yeah. art together. And they were not, she's like a brilliant tattoo artist, really bold, does a lot of like anime stuff. And is just, she's awesome. Like her, her work is really amazing. And then his is like this niche commentary, TikTok style, but it's all done on green screen. So it's all, it's all done in post. It's, right. It's got like a, it's not like so he has in some production experience. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah. So I, you really appreciate that he chose that aesthetic and I'm doing, I'm going to have to show you something for him when we get out of here. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll remember. Trust me. Uh, I I'm starting to love the, the high ambition, low quality style of content creating. I don't know. I don't know if you've noticed that through like social media where someone has an idea that's way too big for their pockets, but they'll actual, oh, yeah. they'll actualize it with like the silliest budget kind of friendly, um, experience. Uh, I know that they did like a, a cardboard Avengers type of motif one time and i thought that was really interesting because instead of saying i can't do this i don't have the money for it they were like no we can do it it's just gonna be janky right and they, they embraced that jankiness and yeah. I, I love that that's amazing sometimes the necessity is the mother of invention when it comes yeah. to stuff like that uh and sometimes it, it it's not even that that draws somebody to that niche is that they're like i just like that this looks mm -hmm. so terrible but it's done in such a way and i I find a lot of people I can I can value so many different people's art mm -hmm. through lenses that I would never enjoy creating art that way, but I can enjoy it. And sometimes you get that like can enjoy vi visually seeing it. Yeah. And and you kind of sometimes factor in like, oh, I'd love to I'd love to do a video like that. And then you're like, oh, I'm actually not passionate about doing videos like that. I just enjoyed seeing that video. And I somehow got my wires crossed into right, thinking that yeah. I would want to jump down this rabbit hole of doing this. But this green screen thing is going to probably flip things. I just saw a TikTok that popped up the other day. This is the all TikTok hour. Uh, this band, uh, This Wildlife, did a music video. They did a cover of Blink-182's I Miss You. And mm -hmm. they built this diorama style house and shot themselves in a green screen and placed themselves in this place to basically recreate the original set from that music video. And it's all but seamless. Like they did it really, really well. And, and with, I think one of the gels that they used for one of the hair lights was an iPhone cover with like a gel covering it. It was well, like an iPhone yeah, flash smart. with like the gel covering it, shining in through the side like back window to cast a blue hue on the chandel the chandelier that was at the top of the diorama. I guess that would be a good like sun source in comparison to the the small model, right? And it's gotta be moody, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you just yeah, there, it's that's like a that's like really it, great thinking. Instead of <laughs> some thousand watt Fresno you had to rent and spend some absurd price on, they just did minis and green screened it. So I already do have an affinity for green screen. I I love it when it's done really well. I hate it when it's done terrible. Any local commercial, car dealer, any, uh, they're the worst. It literally makes me want to claw my fucking eyes out because I'm like, this is just somebody who probably promised somebody they could do this video. I, I know audibly, like just visually that somebody got ripped off here because they were told that they could do a green screen music video and that it would be just like you're right there at right. the car dealership right. and instead they get this 
terrible piece of work and they probably paid several thousand dollars for right it. or someone half-assed the job just to get the payday right yeah, yeah. right like oh, i'm gonna do this stupid commercial for this pizza shop i'm done i'm what are they, they're gonna pay me whether they like it or not right i told them four days of work it's five this is i'm done yeah <laughs> I mean, there is something to be said also for managing your budget. Right? Yeah, like you, yeah. as a producer, you pay close attention to what it's going to take to see a project across the finish line. And you know that that budget has a hard dollar amount and anything else is beyond that is like either eating into your marketing budget or, you know, you, you start to see where it becomes important. So I, there is something to be said for saying like, Hey, we got to get this accomplished mm -hmm. in this in X amount of, things, of time. But I say staff accordingly then. Do I need a team of people to go do most of the videos that I do? No. Would it be easier? Yes. But then I got to rely on them to be at the same caliber I am with these other areas that I feel comfortable just doing it on my own. Mm. It's chaotic, and but the money all goes to me. And I don't even want all the money for me if I'm getting genuine help on the project. But if I'm not, if I'm not getting project help that feels like commensurate to the amount that I am also you know, putting into this project, it's – really hard for me to find something to, you know, everybody's got yeah. a different eye. What you decide to shoot at the same location as me, it's going to be totally different. And that's a, that's a great thing. That's nothing to be balking at, but it does lend itself to the argument that, you know, you need to be surrounded by a team of people that share the same vision or at least rowing in the same direction. Right. As you. Yeah. And I, I feel like I've, like I said, I've, I've started finding those people for my own side of the corner of film. Um, I kind of want to be like, there's a lot of film productions that are literally made by friends like Adam Sandler and yeah. his entire crew. He will make a movie and then take everyone on vacation, essentially. Right. Seth Rogen and yeah. his whole entire will the people, Ferrell, the people SNL, from SNL. Yeah. yeah. Literally, they make movies with their friends because if it fails, then they failed with their friends and they had right. a good time doing it. But if it succeeds, they all succeed. And that's kind of what I've been trying to do with Dark Mind. That's why I'm trying to get everyone on the same page, essentially. Um, that's kind of the way that I want to just keep approaching stuff. So walk me through, I, I haven't really gotten a chance to ask you about yeah, it yeah. in a way where you can kind of put it in the context for people to check it out. But like, tell me about Dark Mind, like where it came from, what the sort of ambition was going into it versus where you find yourself now. Obviously, there's been development just since yeah. I've met you. <laughs> so like to, to think of where you and you were doing Dark Mind since before I had met you. So it's not like that started after. Yeah, yeah. So that was a part I mean, of you in, I met in you. different ways, in different phases, I guess. Uh, Dark Mind Productions is my film production company, obviously. Uh, I named it Dark Mind Productions because I have PTSD and uh, borderline personality disorder. Okay. And I've been homeless. I've tried to unalive myself. I was in a car accident that did put me out of commission for a couple minutes and they had to resuscitate me. Um, and because of all of those things, you know, you don't, you don't have a good perspective on life for a while. Uh, and it wasn't until I was 25, 27 that I started trying to take my mental health into consideration. My therapist was very open with the fact that maybe film could be another form of therapy for me. And I really love film. So I, at that point, I was like, okay, I'm just going to do as much as I can and actually go for it, build a company, you know, try to encourage people to, to make films in this area, you know? Yeah. We can make films out of these things now. Yeah. There was a whole movie made out of it. Not the best movie, but it was a it was a movie. <laughs> it was made. It was a movie and it was made off of an iPhone. And you know what? You don't need to be in Hollywood to shoot something anymore. And so I figured why not 
stay here, the place that kind of rehabilitated me, the place where I found the love of my life. And I've made a lot of great friends here and I've met a lot of inspiring people. And I kind of just want to build a production studio, production space, production team that can make films independently and have creative control over their IP. So I make sure that everyone knows that if they bring a project to me to be made, it will be their project. You know, they have final say. I may bring into it, you know, my notes as a producer to help you make a more cohesive story, to right. help you make a more entertaining film. Um, but at the end of the day, I want to tell your story. I want to make sure that your vision gets across. I just want to help you across the bridge while you do that. And then from there, we help maintain all the marketing, all the editing, production, development, everything from the beginning to the end. Um, and I said all of that in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my main goal is to create the foundation in this area for filmmaking, working with the Tourism Bureau to um, create a a path for the film commission in Pennsylvania to, to recognize this area a little bit more, right. um, build a film production studio in this, in happy Valley. Yeah. That's my main goal as of right now. I don't think it will, you know, remain that through my development as a filmmaker. I don't want dark mind productions to be the end all be all, but I do want it to be the start of what we could accomplish in this area. Right. And yeah, that's basically my mission. I'm a producer first, writer, director, actor sometimes, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I try to remind people that are doing this that it is their passion. They should have fun while they do it. Yeah. As, as much as you want to, you know, be hard-headed and be hard on yourself, have fun while you do it. Because at the end of the day, these are memories that you're going to get once for this project. Yep. You know, and then... <clears throat> this might be the only time that you work with this DP. Learn as much as you can. Right. You know, this might be the only time that you get to sit down and rehearse with an actor. You know, try the best that you can. And at the end of the day, I'm going to have your back. And I'm going to make sure that you don't feel constricted by your own creativity. You know? Yeah. And coming from someone who was homeless and had to do it all on their own and, and seeing how I could come out of all of that and build what I've built so far and create teams that I've been working with for a while now, it, it really puts things in perspective because now I, I feel like I can impart that onto the people who feel like they can't do it. Yeah, I mean, that's the first thing that people need to learn is that you need to fall in love with the process. And by the way, the process sucks yeah. a lot of the time. It's not that it sucks. It's just that it's not, it's not easy. It's going to, if you, if you really care about it, you've got to diligently show up for it and be, you know, that passion is observable. Hence the first review you got on that project in school, right? Like mm -hmm. if you're like not really that into it, it does show in the work People on the back it. end. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's so weird that it's this very tangible, but like, like, it's like a tangible, intangible. Yeah. Like, why do I know that this is bad, even though I can't put my finger on what I don't right. like? And I don't it. know exactly what went into it, but the result, I feel, <laughs> yeah, didn't I feel. have anything into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's it's very important to learn. Like, you have to learn early on. 
you're going to be doing a lot of stuff that is not the, the vision for what you thought you were going to be doing. Like, I didn't think I was going to get into video through doing music, but I'm, I consider myself blessed now that I did because it's given me a different career path mm -hmm. and allowed me to still focus on my music and focus on like art in every aspect that I enjoy doing it, writing, recording, filming, editing, like these are creation aspects of me that all are banging on all cylinders yeah. pretty much at all times, whether or not I'm executing is another story, but to, to teach that to people early is really important, especially when I think it comes to filmmaking mm -hmm. because it is easy to go to burnout and it's easy to have a bunch of ideas and then, you know, be so humble that you don't speak them in the room and then they don't get picked up and then you never work on your projects and then you end up working 50, 60 hours a week for somebody else doing their projects and it pays well, but you never bring up your stuff. Mm -hmm. And you know, that fail fast, fail forward thing is really, really important. And this area does really have the potential to be sort of like a Nashville in, yeah. and it's like, you know, or, you know, a, a little Hollywood kind of yeah. place. And it doesn't take, that much like we've got so many different types of scenery in this area and it's basically a small city with a very rural feel to it that's only really busy busy during the semesters when the students are here and mm -hmm. on the weekends for football games and you know like eight other weekends throughout the year you know, we have great events um but yeah exactly what you're saying but it's there like, are lulls in there too and in those lulls there's a there's this like weird kind of like ambient piece that kind of sweeps over the town that I mean, I very vividly remember the first time, the first like Monday after I graduated high school, just going downtown and just walking a lap around downtown State College for no reason. I wasn't like gaining anything, like no epiphany came from this or anything. But I did remember that I was up early and I was like, I don't have school anymore. And I took this like reflective walk just being like, I don't have school anymore. Yeah. I wasn't going to college. I didn't have any plan at that point. So I just was like, this is it. Now it's life from now on. And I felt so ill-prepared to do anything because I was like, oh, I'm supposed to know what college I want to go to. I'm supposed to know what I want to do for the rest of my life. And the reality was I needed to be in so many different other positions to find the thing that I feel like is now finally like my calling. And that that feeling doesn't go away sometimes, you know, because uh, even even now I'm I'm like, am I doing the right thing? You know, because <laughs> right. now the entertainment industry is like all in upheaval, yeah. you know, with the strikes going on, which... I support I support each and every single one of you. You keep striking out there, okay? You strike hard and strike fast. But at the same time, I'm sitting over here like, is this the opportunity that I've been waiting for? Am I supposed to be making like a really strategic move right now? And I, I start questioning myself. But at the end of the day, I know that this is where I want to construct the the new Hollywood that I'm trying to construct. Well, we're going to have to hit that renaissance because with the advent of like blockchain and AI and a bunch of other things, they've got a lot of things working against them. You're not going to be able to just write something and shoehorn it together, especially if you're not going by SAG after, you know? Mm -hmm. So like the strikes are, the strikes touch on so many different things. So I, I definitely would love to get into that with you. I feel like it's really easy to, see these people that make a lot of money for putting this infrastructure together, like, and then the lowest paid employee is making, you know, that is, is still vital. Yeah. I mean, like, what is a non-vital job? If you're a job and you work as a part of a production company, everything that everybody's doing there is a, is part, of vital. The, is a part of the thing that makes all of it happen. Yeah. Because if one person's not there to do that job, guess what? Somebody else has got to do it. Mm -hmm. Now their time is pulled from their project to do this thing. And so now there's not this is you know, strong exactly. attention to detail everywhere. And that shit manifests. Like it just starts to like, it is sort of like a chain reaction. It'll get worse and worse and worse. And we're going to, 
go through the same thing we went through in 2007 when the writer's strike went on. TV is about to suck for the next like two or three years because they can't get their shit together. And the reality is, I, I, I mean, I'm also kind of, this reminds me very much of the pandemic in that all of the people that are in film have already, the Writers Guild has already struck before. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we got some concessions and it got a little better and blah, blah, blah. And then we ended up right back here again. I feel the same kind of beat happening in the music industry where it's like Spotify. You can have, uh, I posted a TikTok the other day that Snoop Dogg, Snoop Dogg was saying about like, how is it that I can make several million streams I, oh my and gosh, not that. make, and not be making like good money? Like mm -hmm. that doesn't make sense to me. And, and I always, I didn't look at it from that perspective, but from my perspective, I was like, okay, I love Linkin Park. How many times have I spun any one of their CDs or any one of their songs? Give me a number of that. Okay, cool. Now, of the records I bought, how many times could I have streamed to pay them the same amount of money I would have paid for the record? And the record involved distribution, uh, you know, pressing of a CD, marketing, different, you know, a different mix and master has to be done for mastering the CD for the because you got to do radio edits and like yeah, other all of it. yeah, yeah. So if you're, if I paid, you know, at one point CDs were twenty bucks a CD or whatever in like the the cd stores kids if you kids. remember them oh my goodness absolutely dating myself eight tracks were a thing kids <laughs> just, just wait until you hear those vinyls yeah well then the vinyl makes this <laughs> huge comeback right but so you know how many streams is twenty dollars worth and that number exists now and we know and, and i think it is very impossible for me to listen to any of the songs that I listened to enough times to pay that artist that amount. So there is a disparity between the amount that we're paying as a, you know, for a CD versus what we got to stream it right. and, and what the artists are seeing just because somebody created the, you know, platform and infrastructure doesn't make it okay to make the artist basically get fractions yeah. of a penny per stream. It's like, that does not translate. That is unfair. It, it's, and not that fair should be a thing that's being tossed around, but People are making huge salaries, and I get that. But beyond a certain point, it's just you paying yourself more money at the at the expense of the people that are doing the thing. Now, in the filming community, you see it's like, you know, uh, Scarlett Johansson whenever Black Widow came out, and they did like the straight the streaming they, release. They went around the contract, but yeah. Her, but her whole contract was based off of how it was going to do in theaters. So like that kind of stuff is already been happening right and good on her for having the wherewithal to good, kind of good on her for even just speaking out about it right like i would have never ever considered that a possibility for some reason that thought had never crossed my mind and when i found out that they just skirted her box office contract to put it straight to streaming so that they could circumvent that and i get it i get it i don't think it was a lack of judgment i don't think it was like an error in judgment that they were like oh well it's the pandemic and we got to get it out it's like talk, look at what tom cruise did he straight up was like uh no we're not going to release this like literally two years prior he waits until like basically when things are finally start yeah. opening up to drop it on memorial day weekend and it just smashes the box office. And it was a video worthy of doing that from the way that they took from the ground up from create, you know, inception and creation mm -hmm. of that video or that movie to when it hit theaters. But that that concept of like, if I'm on a show and I, you know, it goes straight, it's, it's a movie or whatever, and it goes out and it does whatever in the box office, but my contract is strongly leaned towards the box office. I'm getting most of my money there. But then when it goes to streaming, you're seeing like, pennies on the dollar yeah. it's like yo this does not translate Some somebody's making residuals shit. yeah you've seen those oh my gosh 38 the, cents 30, for like 3.99 for i i it was 
Reservoir Dogs or something like right. that. Yeah, Reservation Dogs or Reservation like. Dogs. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a great. Have you seen? It's a that? fantastic show. Season two is coming yeah. out. I heard. I, I saw a preview. The guy, <laughs> the the Native American on the horse. <laughs> I died. Like I that that character. That was a pretty good impression. <laughs> that is easily one of. I don't want to say it's one of Taika Waititi's like best efforts, but for a for short form like uh, you know series style, uh, work, it's brilliant. And it's something that I would you would imagine most people would never gravitate towards. Mm -hmm. But that entire subculture of, you know, Native American people living on tribal land and interfacing with like local surrounding municipalities and stuff like that is very much so a thing. Opened up my eyes for sure, because I I never thought about that world at all. I guess I just have too many problems with my own world that I'd never even considered that perspective yeah and i think it's pretty cool i i think it's super cool that i get to see it now well the problem is the residuals are too low Mm -hmm. you can't have your streaming pay be that low it's literally just a slap in the face and of course people are being paid while they're on job to produce the actual the the, the production aspect production has to get paid for it that's great but if your contract is for point you know points on the record or you know you know a percentage of the the streaming royalties you want to see a percentage is not going to feel like an insult. And all it seems like they want to offer is an insult. So we need to, they need to understand that they're making money off of the backs of the people that are doing these things. Exactly. I don't care who greenlits greenlights, what project the project is sinks or swims based off of the team of people that are surrounded to put that thing together. That is the bottom line. And if they want to keep making that money, they need to understand that you can't just shit on people that are literally propping up your entire industry. And then on and then right in the next second, start bragging about the profits that you're making while telling them that you're just going to wake them out until they lose their houses and have to crawl back to you. That's some fucked up shit. Yeah. Disney. And then they don't think. Yeah. And that's Bob Iger. Right. Yeah. So like what they don't realize is there's like a skills gap in the entertainment industry. The people that oh, they're going to yeah, push out sure. that are going to be like, you know what? I'm sick of being burned by these studios. Like that is a real thing. These people are like, I'm done. I'm over it. Like people are going to quit. Do- it's going to be like the pandemic. Mm-hmm. People are going to leave their jobs and they're never going to come back. Cool. Now you're going to get this whole influx of young, hungry creators that have some experience, but there's going to be a lot of stuff lost in the margins between the person who had been there, had been doing it for this, you know, this production team or that, whatever. Yeah. Has that routine, has that structure, has that organization. You're trading it for someone who's more of the novice. Right. Who has to now, now you're going to have to waste money training them. That's exactly what it is. Uh, we uh, So we stopped and saw another good friend of mine, George Chevelle, that I wanted to have on. Do you know him by chance? I've heard the name, but I don't he think of him. He owns known. Black Sheep Media. Okay. Yeah. That's how, that's how I've heard the name. So we stopped by, he was selling some C-stands and I needed some new C-stands. And uh, so I picked them up from him and uh, actually a big outside light diffuser as well because he tossed it in. He made a deal too good to be true. And so I picked it up and he was telling us a story about like one of the, one of the things he was parlaying to Carlos mm-hmm. and was... Uh, you know, I said, I, there, I remember when I first got promoted and I had to like, I was basically in charge of lighting like this entire warehouse and I went in and I didn't know how to do that. Like the role I was doing was not something I was comfortable with. So it was a trial by fire scenario. So he's like, I leaned pretty heavily on the grips and the gaffers to be like, what would you recommend? Like you probably have worked in this yeah. building for so long. Those people are gone. Imagine those people are gone now. Now somebody goes in there, he's a young buck and he's going in like no one asked. The negligible quality overall bar of it is going to dip down because of this like just uh, it's just greediness. Like there's no other reason for it. It's like how many 
yachts that people have to have before we start being like, look, I'm not saying that you can't have a ridiculous amount of money, but you can't have that ridiculous amount of money at the behest of the people at the bottom that are literally propping up and doing all of the labor and work that, mm-hmm. and creative mm-hmm. that gets you that, you know, capability. And the funny thing is, is if, if they gave everyone at the table a plate and then there were still food left over, I'm pretty sure if you were taking care of your people, they wouldn't care that you took the rest of that profit right. as long as they were taken care of. Right. If I go to a party, look at it like this. I go to a party and there's like a bunch of people there. Talk to me. I feel like balling out. I'm like, hey, we're going to get pizza from this nice place. I'm going all in. Oof. This is our movie budget. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to spend $150 to feed like 10 people. Good choice. Good choice. For With pizza. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, everybody eat till you're filled. They're done. It's not my house. I'm just going over to the party and everybody's kind of hungry. So I'm like, hey, I'm, you know what? I'm going to supply mm-hmm. them with some food. Like, th- this sounds good. I want to show them this place that I like, whatever. Pizza comes. Everybody eats it. There's a couple boxes left over. I'm going to be like, yo, you guys, I'm going to grab this and go. Unless you guys, I'm literally like, unless you guys want it. No, I don't expect the Hollywood executive yo, to be yeah. like, hey, I'll leave money on the table. I, I think that's a, a spot for lawyers to come in. <laughs> right, right, right. Make sure you don't do that to yourself. Yeah, yeah. But I get your point. Like. I, I would say that you do own a house. Like if you own a house, you bought the pizza for everyone. Everyone has gotten the chance to eat. No one wants to take over the leftover yeah, pizza. That is the better analogy. Yeah. Me being <laughs> at a party that I don't live at the place doesn't work as hard, but it kind no, no, of no. is more of the parallel yeah, though, yeah, because yeah. they show up and they, you know, they're with this team creating this video. And then when they're done, they're like, Hey, I pay for this pizza. I'm going to take the excess that everybody didn't eat. If everybody's full, Nobody's going to care. They're going to be like, exactly and, and, and what's the weird residual? Hey, you mind if I take a slice for later? I'm going to be, I only ate one piece. I wasn't that hungry right now. And you're like, oh, okay. So you took some sort of stipend up front and then to catch your pay on the back end. Like I get it. There's, there's options. And the problem is you don't want to have to be navigating all of those yeah. all the time. But as a general rule of thumb, it's like the scales are tipped and we're getting sick of it. You're going to, you basically locked everybody indoors for several years during the pandemic And I don't think we would get, I don't think we would have the society that we have now if we didn't have Tiger King come out at the right time where we could all universally lock into it. I still have not watched it outside of a few clips. I'm like one of the few. I've seen the one clip where he's like, my life will never be the same or whatever the hell he says. That's the only clip I've seen. But I do agree with you that there was kind of a, a tipping point where everybody was making sourdough bread. Everybody like these things, the media, the content creators. Yeah. Basically everything, it's just, it's like enough to pacify us to let us get through the turmoil and the trauma that we're going through. Not even, yeah. Distract and entertain. It's escapism. It takes you away from the things that you're dealing with that you don't want to have to deal with right now. That's great. The problem is now we're looking at it like, okay, well, we've got, you know, all these creators and content creators are going to just basically go away. They're going to like, I'm not going to. Content creators won't. Filmmakers, mm-hmm. people that make these films, those people, we're going to be losing people. And then that skills gap, the things that are going to fall through the cracks are just going to lead us to having way worse stuff to watch. And then imagine, I already am like the most miserable dickhead if I turn on Netflix and I've seen everything that I want to see and there's not something new there that entices me. Yeah. I'm like waiting for Ahsoka on Disney to come out. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like, I'm like yearning to watch Secret Invasion every like Wednesday morning at three in the morning so I can watch the next episode and then crying that I got to wait a week. Like also the acting in that show. So good. I'm super surprised by just how good it is. It's so good. <laughs> but sorry, continue. I, I, we, 
and I'm starting to see some threads. That, not that I want to get into the Marvel world, but I can easily go. Oh into my gosh, uh, that'll be the next podcast yeah. that I do is a Marvel podcast. I just yeah, the great acting in it, and and now like Stranger Things is getting pushed back. The next series of Wednesday is getting pushed back. That sucks. That's great. That's a you know I don't know how long we're gonna have some of the directors that we have around. Like mm-hmm. how long do we have Tim Burton for? How many more Tim Burton movies do we get? Apparently, we don't get any more Quentin Tarantino films. I don't. I'm, 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 I think he has one left, doesn't he? I, that's what I hear. That's his rule. That's, that's, what, he, that's what I hear. <laughs> He's got one left. But and good on him for putting a cap on it and being like, "That's it's yeah." I, that's humble. That, that's humbling yourself. That and also disappearing. And also marketing wise, it literally makes every movie he's ever made a cult classic. That there will never be any more made like that. That is there will so be true. imitators, and there that'll be a sincere form of flattery. But they won't hit the benchmark and push the envelope the way he does, and this, that, and the other thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I just have a really hard time with the way we're basically running all this shit. I just want to, I want to see some sort of equilibrium where we can kind of yeah. get back. Because otherwise, I'm going to be missing out on a bunch of shows I want to watch. And then, I mean, they don't realize if you don't have shit that I want to watch, guess what? I'm not going to do subscribe anymore. There goes my fourteen dollar ninety nine cent a month Hulu, you know, contract, so I don't have to watch ads. Yeah, there goes me disconnecting from my friends Netflix because. I don't like the shows that he watches and like, I'm not going to buy my own membership. Just, Are you crazy? <laughs> I just recently ran into a friend who has Peacock and I was like, what? And it's a, it's a thing. Someone has Peacock. Some people have it. Uh, and so. Carlos, are you hearing this? <laughs> are you hearing this? We basically got away from cable and then branched back into like, oh, now I got to assemble my packet. I'm spending $150 a month, which is what cable was at it's before cable through internet, people quit yeah. doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, this is, this is not, a, you're gouging your customers and your fan bases and they're going to get sick of it. They're just going to be like, ah, I'll wait. Yeah. They're going to see piracy is going to come back big because people are going to be like, ah, somebody's going to rip it. And I mean, it, it, it like, has come back in a big way. <laughs> Have you not heard what they're trying to do with background actors right now? No. They're trying to pay them for one day of uh, AI capture and then use their likeness in perpetuity forever. Better be so, a high ticket price on that. Paid for one day of work. Yeah. And that might not even be a full day of work. It might just be the hours that they work. Okay. Now let me walk you through this practically. Now you've got a bunch of Joe Schmoes that decided to take their $250, $300 day rate or whatever and do this. And every single one of them will be lit and shot on a different lens, on a different lighting setup. They're going to have to make it uniform to be able to get the same lighting set to pack all these people in the same place, unless they're light wrapping each individual person. Well, I, I guess they're just considering day players. So just like the the people that would be auxiliary. And I mean, I don't know, 4K, cap, 8K capture now with some of the uh, motion capture suits. I'm yeah, sure. so, so what are we looking at? Oh, you're finding new ways to pinch pennies so you yeah. can continue <laughs> to fuck everybody that makes yeah. your product, makes your films, make yeah. your, is a part of making it happen. It's like you're downloading a person. You wouldn't download a car. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? That's a classic commercial. <laughs> you wouldn't download a car. Like, well, first off, if I could, if yes, I, I could, fucking would. Do you understand how many times I would? I have a 3D printer. If there's a way where a file <laughs> makes its way to my computer and I walk out with a Lamborghini, we're we're put we're going like there. We're trying those, that. That's one of the moments where I wish I was Bruce Almighty. Just to be right. like, just, are you sure? Gotcha. <laughs> you know, got it's now pop. possible. It's now possible. Anything is possible through faith. You're like, how do I have this Lambo outside all of a sudden? Yeah, it's just such a mixed bag, man. And I'm really, I'm, it sucks that it's happening. Dan, you know the long-term ramifications of it. Are mm-hmm. This is going to play out over the course of like several years. And we're not going to be any better off for it other than maybe they're going to negotiate and we'll be in a position of, you know, we, we need the leverage. And the leverage just has to be, we have to 
press until they yeah. till it hurts. We like we we can't cave any more than they do. Like the reality is, okay, cool. I don't want to go work this restaurant job, but I can make comparable money bartending in a restaurant. Yeah. And I'll do it until you guys are broke. And, and then the other part of the reality is is that they're they're gonna wait them out. They're the writers, the actors, they they are serious about this. Yeah. And they're going to wait and then they're gonna call a consumer boycott. Yep. And then there's just going to be an all out boycott f- in general because the the materials that we will be getting at that point will suck. Will suck. Yeah, there there they're will be, be no substance to it. Yep. You know, cuz there's no real people behind it. I mean, there's probably going to be scabbers and stuff like that, but Yeah, always. That's, that's just the way the world works, I guess at this point. <laughs> but the, the you're right though. I think they the the option of doing anything else is not really on the table mm-hmm. because it, the, the studios are going to sit and they're going to get, a, you know, a few quarters of revenue will still keep coming in while they've got things that are already filmed and in post that are right. going out. Because you can always hire out to a company to freelance, do the post-production services and find teams that are doing well. Plus, some of those people won't want to, mm-hmm. you know, go on strike. So they're going to be like, OK, well, I need the money and I don't have any of this. I'm not bartending. I'm not doing that. doesn't mean that much to me or whatever. Yeah. I'd, I'd rather just keep doing <laughs> what I'm doing. And so that's fine, but it's not going to be enough to prop up the entire industry. No. And I, I'm, and already look at what Marvel was like. Disney was like, yeah, hey, we got to scale back on these Marvel movies and Disney and Star Wars, and Star Wars. And it's like, oh, OK, these two big properties you basically promised you were not going to do this with. You're doing it with because you're realizing like, OK, yeah. this is actually like. And their next biggest movie, Deadpool 3, has to stop production now. Yeah. Are, which as if we haven't waited like 17 you, years enough. Like, thanks. Ryan just posted the Wolverine suit and you're going to pause production. Yeah. This is, this is on you, Disney. Right. <laughs> I just don't have any words. I for do it. appreciate that the actors are at this point, like um, Mark Ruffalo, he made that video where he was telling actors to take independent film work, you know? Yeah. Cause that, that oh, is the landscape. Oh yeah. That's so the that's where we're going to thrive. That's brother. where we're going to. And that's why I'm saying like, Oh sh- is this my opportunity? Is this the opportunity that I've been waiting for? Am I prepared for it? What what am I supposed to do right now? Like I'm at that point where I I feel like I should know what to do, but I don't. And I feel like everybody gets to that point in any We got to study the history. We yeah. got to we got to dig back to the 2007 writers strike <laughs> and see who who after the writers strike left famous shows that they were on or right. famous productions for like, you know, HBO or whatever, mm-hmm. and then started doing independent film. Yeah. And then you, I mean, I know Blumhouse and A24, since they're not part of the uh, AMTPP or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I always forget what the acronym is. Um, I know that they're not part of that. That's mostly Paramount and Disney and right. the other ones. But yeah, these, I think... We might have a renaissance in indie film. Oh, for sure. Like, especially Deadpool 3 might get put on hold, but Ryan Reynolds is not going to stop making movies. Oh, no. Not no. with maximum effort and yeah. having like his own production team. He has his own kind of assemble. Where he's like, oh, you don't think that my films are going to work? Okay, I'll make them myself and prove you wrong. Right. That, I like his attitude with filmmaking in that regard. And so that kind of shows it as an opportunity to kind of, a, you know, it's going to be the Wild West. Like, you can basically rake it in mm-hmm. if you've got the infrastructure in place. So yeah, I mean, I would argue that, yeah, you're probably in a really good place. Imagine, you know, James Earl Jones is after, this is like the last writer strike he's going to go through. So he's like, nah, yeah, I'll do some indie stuff. And like, I'd like to do like a, 
a movie that's reminiscent of the Sandlot or something like that again or whatever. These these actors are going to be out there and they're going to be willing to do things gonna, for. Yeah, they're hungry. They're, well, they'll be willing to. I think I'm trying to think who it was. I think Leonardo DiCaprio said he's like, or who was it? Leonardo DiCaprio will never do a franchise. I know no, that. It's not that. It was somebody was saying they did. Uh, they've never made money on a Wes Anderson film. He was like, I always lose money, but I, oh, I do. Was that Owen I, Wilson? No, <sighs> man, I'm blanking. It was another TikTok I saw, Dang. and I love it. Like now, I love like the uh, the Hollywood Reporter does these actors roundtables that I love. Yeah, and, I subscribe. Yeah, and it's great. Like you, when you're getting like the actor perspective, and then we're also seeing that we take the entire cast of a film and put them in a room and we talk, let them talk about this experience. And we're seeing that a lot right now with Oppenheimer, obviously. But again, that movie is going to that movie's going to stand the test of time. I think that movie is going to be a very culturally shifting. I think he blows up his daughter in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I wish I wish I was that kid because that's awesome. <laughs> like, Daddy, don't. <laughs> it's just for a scene. Yeah. <laughs> But like, you know, they will take films that are going to be based off of idea and concept mm -hmm. and vision. And so then it's going to come down to all of the indie teams, Dark Minds, to be able to come together and say, OK, how do we coalesce and get to get some real rock solid stuff together? Money will still be out there to be poured into film. Mm -hmm. It's just not going to be getting pulled in through the studios because the studios aren't going to have access to the unions. Yeah. So like. There is this kind of opportunity where it could be this nice little waterfall that kind of is refreshing for the indie scene. And I do remember there was sort of like an indie renaissance that took place after that because that was all that was left. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of the movie specifically. I'm thinking of like 100 Days of Summer, I think, like came out, I think, shortly after. Yeah. And that was another one. That, like, and that was a cult classic, too. Everyone loved that movie. Yeah. Um, do you see the one with Shia LaBeouf? Uh, man, Mud. Mud, no, that's, there's that's, mud, there's butterfly falcon. Butterfly, peanut butter falcon. Peanut that's butter what falcon, I was thinking yeah. of. Yeah, butterfly. I watched that. <laughs> Very much so an indie film and a great movie and done on what could have been done on a shoestring budget. Yeah. You know, like you could make that film for, I don't know what it was. I, Carlos, how much was peanut butter falcon made for? What? He, I think he said he, five. I was like, five million it. dollars. He's on it. He's. I don't know if you know this about this podcast. All right, everybody. I got a dude in the he's chair. He's got a dude in the chair. <laughs> He's got a dude in his ear. He he does this, your whole system goes down. Promise you. <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen it with my own two eyes. I'm telling you. But so think about, uh, you know, you're getting ready. So uh, this is a perfect segue. You're getting ready to do, you're going to apply for this grant and do this music video as a means of applying for a grant that could fund you potentially up to $100,000 for, yeah. for the feature. For a beach pop punk musical. Mm -hmm. And, you know, look, Barbie's coming out. You know, so like... There's going to be, let's go party. There's going to be some opportunities here. And so when I look at it, like that isn't going anywhere. Like that, that idea side of you is not going to go anywhere. Those people is as a, you know, a macro of the rest of the country are not going anywhere in the world rather. So as you are trying to assemble like a, what, a $300,000 budget, mm -hmm. hypothetically say yeah. that's round number. That That's, I think that's where I'm going to stick. I am used to, I'm sure you are as well, being on the indie producer's budget, which is, you know, things get done, things get paid for, but you're trying to pinch pennies wherever you can because what you don't burn up in production, you have for marketing then mm -hmm. afterwards. Yeah. And so when you're doing something in that capacity in the indie world, 
it's really important to get raise as much as you can and do as much damage as you can with as little amount of money as you can. I would rather have a small crew of like a handful of people and then be like, hey, we're not going to I'm not going to hire a B unit in Texas to take these other shots. I'm just, we're going to drive down there in a van. Do we're it gonna, ourselves. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so there are ways to kind of like cut corners from the you know excess of creating a film and make it a little bit more of like a a tight-knit unit and that's where you see like the a24 like those the, the smaller companies that are they bet that that's their team mm -hmm. and it may be a, a good number of people but i'd rather have you know if dark minds had 50 people that were just all really great banging on all cylinders at what they do all moving toward the same goal yep all rowing in the same direction that team can do more damage with a hundred and fifty thousand dollar budget then you're going to be able to do if you're trying to outsource to everyone. Yeah. Now imagine you can work on a film pretty much comfortably and everybody would be like, Hey, you're not going to be balling, but you're going to make 30 grand this year to be a part of this film. That's all 50 people right there. You got it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, that's a pretty good spot or no, that's not true. That math did not add up. That math did not math. Actually, uh, 150,000 divided by 50 people. Does it add up? What's up, calculator? See, and they said I'd never have a calculator. See, I'm, a, I'm a creative, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, let me explain um, you how not good at math. I, I think of pictures, I think of stories, and I, I never, that's three thousand. I never think of numbers. So, so say that that is three thousand dollars, and you're like, okay, we've got a month to knock this short out. Yeah, that's doable. There's a lot of work that can be done. I mean, you stretch it out. It's not like it all yeah. gets done in one yeah. month. Like a lot of pre-production is only certain people are getting paid for that part of it. And only people that are on the production side of things are getting paid for that part of it. Getting talent to jump in on a good idea is never going to be difficult. People no. are always going to want to be pushing the envelope. I love, I haven't seen all of them, but everything that Tom Holland has done that hasn't been Spider-Man related, I'm still really into it. I'm like this, we are lucky to have this dude as an actor. Yeah. This young, be our Spider-Man, you know, our modern Spider-Man. and also like have him be up in his chops as an actor every step of the way. I'm just, re I'm really excited for the future in that regard. We just got to figure out a way to get like the system of Netflix and all these studios and the movie execs. It works if people are taken care of. Yeah. That's not happening. So it's not going to work. And that's got to be the pushback. We just have to be like, we're not going to do that. And instead let's go the indie route and it's, let's see a good resurgence and in really interesting, creative, non-cookie cutter not, i mean there's only like what 26 stories you can tell but like we're we're really good individually as individual creators at coming up with new and interesting concepts that are going to be able to guide us into more interesting cinema yeah and short series and documentaries and stuff like that oh and i love playing with all those mediums too I have a, a feature for this musical, and then I have a mini series for this horror anthology that I've written out. Uh, and that one's called Mr. Bear. It's about uh, just my perspective on the character of death, like the harbinger of death. Um, and then, you know, I have The Door in the Book of Mystics, which is a feature that goes into a mini series, and that's a fantasy adventure. So I, I try to kind of hit the palette of all the genres that I'm really putting my my hands in and then with the the projects that we bring into the company like Rachel Sweeney did uh, a film about a woman who's going through uh, it's in festivals right now so I'm not trying to give too much away but it's a it's a very strong tale on uh, a woman's autonomy and you know Roe v Wade and 
how that plays out in a, a woman's own self. And I, I love hearing perspectives that I will never have because I'm a guy, you know? Right. And I can't see the world the way that she does. And she's super creative and such a good writer. I'm just, I'm like <coughs> honored. I'm so honored to know you, Rachel. Thank you. Um, and it's, it's like pulling ideas from everywhere to create a cohesive story. And that's what I love the most. I don't know why. Well, you have like the ability to do that when you have a team of people that are all passionate about doing the same things yeah. that you are, like the, doing the things that you guys are doing. And that, I mean, that, like I said, that's going to turn this into the wild west for you guys. If you get if there's grant money and film funding money out there that is, el, you know, you're eligible for, you know, you're going to have a track record of things that are already proven, which gives you the leg up over the people that are like, oh, I decided to start doing indie film yeah. for the first time. Like you're going to be like, no, 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 but look, here's proof in proof of concept. Like we get from here to here. Yeah. You don't have to like this to see that it got done. And I, I yeah, man, I, 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 I should show you the proof of concept that we just finished in New York. For the feature that we're trying to bring into Happy Valley. Um, it's a coming of age story. A young man starts to realize his father might not be on the right side of history. Um, it's very contained. The proof of concept is a scene we call The Last Supper. Because it's it's the moment where the son definitely knows the father is into some shit. And the father definitely knows that the son is figuring it out. Right. And so it's... It's a very dramatic scene that I think kind of leads into the the bigger story a little a little bit more palatable for general audiences. Right, right, right. And but I, this one's the, man, the one think, that gets you hooked, dude. I think the the New York team that we've been working with is phenomenal, incredible. We actually had a DP from Germany who's originally from Happy Valley come back to shoot it, and then he came into Happy Valley to shoot trailer footage for it. So being able to kind of facilitate all that right. and being able to guide that production team into what can make the the film or the proof of concept feel more filmic, being able to to know that I can impart that to them, super cool, super cool. And I'm enjoying all of it. I need you to see it because it is <laughs> beautiful. The acting is great. I, I think they did a fantastic job with casting. And my my part was mostly producing it and stuff like that and giving guidance. But yeah, I think I think you're hitting it on the the head with the we're we're moving in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's not like people are gonna want to stop making films. Yeah, and people are gonna want to stop making music just because you know you know uh, Spotify and Apple Music and all these streaming sites don't pay them well. It's like that's just our necessary evil, and they've got the platform that's big right now. But there's always a bigger fish, you know. Yeah, and at the end of the day, just. Just make, because you don't know what audience it's going to capture. You don't know what is going to be your next big break or the thing that does get you noticed. Um, yeah, I mean, but like, right now, support the strikes. <laughs> yeah, definitely support the strikes. I, I think there's uh, there's something to be said for the fact that like you. Oh, shit, you just said something and I lost it. Oh, this is killing me. You just said something right before you said support the strikes. You never know what is going to be your big break. Yeah, I mean, so, and that's the thing is the thing that gets the most discouraging is when you don't hit certain benchmarks that you mm -hmm. kind of arbitrarily set up for yourself. And so the only way to get to your goals is just to not quit. 
doesn't matter what it is. Like your answer, if you don't, if you quit, you definitely don't get to succeed in yeah. the thing you want to do. But yeah. if you keep trying, you there's a good possibility you could. Uh, there's a the what's the Fight Club quote uh, on a long enough time scale, the survival rate for everything drops to zero. And so that makes you think like that's very nihilistic, right? Very yeah. Chuck Palahniuk. Yeah. But that also applies to your obstacles. So can you outlast your obstacle? If people could frame it in a way where they look at it like, hey, yeah, this sucks. This is not where I want to be. This yeah. is this, this is this. But I can I can wade this out. I can, you know, put my nose down, eyes forward, and just go through the dirt and do what I have to do, eat crow, bear shit and grin it. Like, you know, you just gotta you gotta keep going to be able to see it to the other side. And the funny thing about that is, is that sometimes, like me. I am making proof of concepts for stuff that I know I want to do in the future. Right. I know that I am not at a skill level right now for Mr. Bear for like how I want it to be. Right. But I've made proof of concepts that I can at least showcase my intention, you know, and maybe five years down the line, someone sees that and says, hey, this is a great idea. We should help you make that a full reality. And that's kind of how I feel people should approach their projects. Yeah. Well, yeah. if you have it in the can, it's you a, have it to a, be able to pass along when you're ready. When that opportunity does arise, you have this thing ready to kind of showcase and yeah. say, Hey, I understand this is proof of concept, but preparation, it's all about preparation, right? Yeah. Making sure that you have it in your back pocket. Cause some people are too close with their, their creations. You know, they don't want to share it. They yeah, don't want to. You have to kill your babies. They don't want to let anyone know about it because of the fear that someone's gonna, you know, take it. And yeah. Do something with it. And I understand that. I totally understand. And copyright everything that you can. Trade, IP does get yeah. stolen. Like that stuff happens. <laughs> Trademark what you can and do it. Um, but never hinder yourself in your journey. Keep climbing your ladder. And if you don't want to tell the whole story, pick a moment from that story just to showcase your idea because if it's in your brain no one's ever going to see it right but if you if you make it tangible even if it's horrendous you'll have something to build off of to build that pitch off of you yeah know? you have to be willing to lay down the foundation regardless of what that mm -hmm. looks like and uh yeah i think it's just the creative space is really difficult specifically because the people that i find that are not this is not the fact of why but because i i think because a lot of people are you know a lot of the creative people that I know have some sort of emotional turmoil. Mm -hmm. You know, all great comedy comes from some form of tragedy. Right. Everything's funny until it happens to you. Yeah. Like that kind of stuff is is out there. But the reality is like you gotta, you have to muscle through that. Like it's hard because everybody's got their own obstacles and everybody's going through something that nobody has any clue about. And so you can't like, you know, blanket statement, but like, ah, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Sometimes there's going to be extenuating circumstances, but like to the degree that you can think about, you know, free will and determinism and which it's like, we've separated these ideas because we wanted to see which one we could say is the absolute, which mm -hmm. one's right. But that to me seems like somebody who took a whole argument that was like a whole unit of something, which was this concept of a mishmash, like self, you know, determinism and, and free will, mm. like, and pulled it apart so they could have an arguing point. But that right. doesn't mean that these things are intrinsically separate. You know, the idea that it has to be one or the other is binary and it doesn't have to exist like that. And and in all reality, I think most people could look at their lives and say, yeah, I see, actually I see a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. I can see where I had a better choice I could have made here. And I can also see why I didn't make that good choice, 
maybe necessarily because of the upbringing I went through and just, you know, whatever the synapses in my brain decided to fire that time. Yeah. Sometimes it's like a split hair decision. People make mistakes all the time that change the entire trajectory of their lives. I'm just as guilty of doing that. And so it's hard to look at it like you have to have, it has to be one thing or the other. It's like, no, it's, it's kind of all of them. So be a part of that ecosystem, you know? Yeah. Live, live in it and don't allow it to just, don't allow life to just happen to you. Be a participant in it, you know? Yeah. You know, make the choice and then go forward and voice when you need help. That is one thing I learned as a creative. I needed to voice when I needed help. You know, I was burning myself out and I never spoke about it to my friends. I never told my crew and you should, you know, more people are willing to help you out that way. And also like it takes a village. Like it's not like you could have pulled any one of those projects all together by yourself when they're that intense. There's that much, you know, there's lighting, there's sound, there's all these kind of, you know, variables that are taking place. You need to be able to have a team around you. And if you're getting overwhelmed, you're not going to be able to serve the people that you're trying to, you know, lead in the direction that they all want to go and including yourself. It's just such a, you know, I I feel like creatives don't get a fair shake at a lot of things and especially pay. (laughs) But the reason for that is because it's not, it's so difficult for people that aren't the creators to really fully appreciate all of the work that goes into the creative side. We love to enjoy the video game. We don't love to make sure the video game developers are getting paid an arm and a leg unless they're with like a particular franchise doing really well. Yeah. Or getting sleep. Like, Turnaround times are, sometimes can be really, really chaotic, especially with like the concept of downloadable content coming mm-hmm. out. You got people that are like, oh, that's doing a week. Like we're literally like halfway through this. This is going to take like two weeks. And they're like, well, you got to have it done in one week. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I guess I'm not sleeping for the next couple of days. And, uh, you know, it, it's just we've got to find a way to kind of get to the point where we can coalesce and and, and appreciate the creative person and the act of creating their art and yeah. the, what the art is of itself. It's, it's hard because not all art is for everybody. Everybody's writing art that's, you know, it's it's got a niche, it's got an audience. Everybody's going to, and it should find its audience. Mm-hmm. But there's something to be said for the person whose art, you know, doesn't for whatever reason. Some, maybe they're not good at marketing. How many great songs do we not know because they're terrible at being, like the I business side of being every day. Yeah. Well, but how many short films do we not hear about because they're terrible at marketing or they're, you know, they have an idea and maybe they executed it really well, but they didn't save the money for marketing. Yeah, there's no, there's no outreach. There's no ability to, you know, there's no sort of like PR campaign. There's no word of mouth spreading because it's only localized in one community where they took, you know, it took place and it was filmed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we accept that art in all forms moves us music film all of it so we need to get to a point where we realize like look like this is a just as necessary a facet of society as like the corporate ceo and the guy who takes out the trash like they're all in this ecosystem together doing something that is contributing towards the commonality of the greater good of what this creation should be as it goes forward and we just are not there yet. And the strikes are obviously indicative of yeah. that. I hope that I hope they're I hope they don't last that long, but I just have a feeling we're gonna be suffering yeah. through this one for a while. I can already see the Teamsters starting. But you know what? <laughs> That's also us too. the silver lining here is also that in the event that these strikes go on for a while and content starts to suck, I'm gonna stop watching as much television and I'm gonna get back to creating. I'm gonna start yeah. wanting to see the things that I want to I'm gonna do the things that I wanna do and I'm gonna create the things that I want to create that I'm not seeing elsewhere. 
And again, sometimes that necessity is the mother of invention. It's not out there. So I'm like, hey, it's been a while since I've seen that yeah. thing where this has been the premise. And I, I really kind of like this little spin I've got on yeah. it. I like to kind of play around with that a little bit. Like I said, make the make the content that you enjoy as well. Like I'm trying to make movies for kids two or three generations down the line. But it's also movies that I like grew up watching and things that I want to emulate, like Indiana Jones. That's what the door was, but with magic, you know? Right. And the... Uh, Black Mirror, that's Mr. Bear, but it has a story about death and what that can do to the human psyche instead of technology, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, I, I agree with what you just said, is what I'm trying to say. Statistically, you know, horror franchises and horror films are the cheapest to produce. Mm -hmm. Like, they're like, they don't require anywhere near as much. Um, I did love seeing that Christopher Nolan said, you know, the reason, one of the reasons why I didn't want to use CGI is that it really takes you out of the environment like you can build up this you know how scary something is like a nuclear bomb and like in the end of the dark night you see batman go Flying off in the off, distance yeah. and then there's this nuclear bomb but you're relieved because you see it and it means that all the people aren't blown up so it's really a happy ending and bruce wayne survives spoiler alert and Whoa, so what? bruce wayne is batman yeah so the fact that you can see the context between like how scary how non-scary that nuclear bomb was mm -hmm. and when it was outside of the city limits nobody had to we you know nobody died and we had that moment of relief after the nuclear bomb goes off and then you see something like oppenheimer i was like yeah here's the first one and so yeah not a lot of people are gonna enjoy this one <laughs> yeah and so but i love that he's gonna set out to do i think he does a really good job of kind of making people uneasy and and come to terms with, the, you know, questioning a lot of the things that we kind of accept as the status quo. Like we, we like news outlets, regardless of what side of the spectrum you're left, white, mm -hmm. who Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, whatever, we like lot and throw out this idea of World War Three, like it's not going to be a nuclear war. And then we look at it like, oh, yeah, like, oh, they've got the nukes and they've got the nukes. It's like, what are we doing? Nobody wins this. You yeah. understand that? And like. We're literally one small step away from some crazy dictator getting cancer and being on the way out and being like, you know what? If I'm out, what do I care? Yeah. And then, okay, what happens then? And on the flip side, you see them go into these like, you know, nuclear bunkers and you see that like most of the facilities are basically inoperable and they don't have electricity and like this patch panel is broken. So literally anybody could just walk in there and be exposed to Radiation whatever. whatever. Yeah. Like, we just have – it's like every time we get to the point where we do something really amazing, like some real amazing feat of science or art or culture Humanity. or whatever, yeah. the next – it's like the next thing we do is see this like bastardized wish version of it pop up that has like no scope of the morality of the original context. Well, of something equal and built. opposite reactions, man. Equal yeah, yeah fair reactions. enough. All right. So I should be happy that physics is still functioning <laughs> the way it's supposed to. Yeah. Uh, there will be a test on this later. Right. <laughs> I usually like I it, it amazed me to hear that you have like that you had you know PTSD and, or have PTSD and that you're recovering from that because I think you know I met you in a place where you were, were like career focused minded mm -hmm. and really into diving into your art and into your craft and I suppose it's really easy to mask that anything else is underneath there when you're kind of feeling the effects of catharsis of going through the creative process, doing production and creating things, there is something that just like that does lift the human spirit. Like yeah. You create something, there's nothing. And then all of a sudden we create something. I'm all, I'm still the same goo of matter that I am right here. Yeah. But now there's something else that's here because I did something. Yeah. And 
And a lo- I mean, a lot of why I do what I do is trying to find reason for the things that happened to me when I was younger and wanting to know that throughout all of that, I am still here for a reason. I mean, at 16, I, w- I was dead for a collective of like five minutes, you know, and being brought back for a good five, seven years after that, I felt immense survivor's guilt and didn't really understand why I was still around because I just felt like after that, I was homeless, I was beat up, uh, the university, there was a an issue with the university where a lot of my funds were taken and I, that's how I became homeless for about a year and a half. And then it it's it's hard to talk about because I don't want to be someone who relies on his traumas to kind of gain sympathy for the projects that I'm trying to do. I just want it to explain why I do what I do. Yeah. And also, I mean, it's, that's a, that's a platform. Yeah. Like this is, this is like a, people need to hear this. I actually, I just went to a, a funeral. Yeah. I'm trying to talk about it more because I, I'm starting to realize people do want to hear how you know, your life can shift over time. And it's not just that first initial part. It is a, a tapestry of everything. Yeah. And walking through that path, you you have to realize that you can get out of it. it there might be some dark times. There might be some lows. But equal and opposite reactions, there's going to be great highs. And I feel like I survived all of that. And now I get to ride my my high. I get to make films I get to have people like you who I respect like so much. You have no idea so how, how I like so look. Noxious. I look up to you like you are <laughs> you are one of those people and you don't even consider yourself a film person. I consider you a film person, you know? Yeah, I lo- I I am by like the fact that I by, end up filming yeah. things and editing things by but- like proxy but I feel like you would consider yourself a musician first. Yeah, I would love to be considered a musician first because that's what got me into it. Yeah. And that's where like my real affinity for everything is. But the reality is, I think I lost this need to feel like I was identifying as one or the other. And really is I'm just a creative. And like I enjoy that with that Stokes in the fire method that we were talking about earlier, you can kind of have Stokes in all of those fires. And it keeps life interesting. It keeps it from being boring. keeps me from getting like you know, destitute or feeling like I'm complacent because I, I can never be, I can never be content with where I'm at because I've got shit to do. I've always gotten to the next thing to do. And that can lead to burnout if you don't, you know, monitor it correctly. But, you know, at the end of the day, like I just went to a funeral yesterday for a buddy of mine that passed away, he committed suicide. And I did a music video um, it was for a song Volatile. And I had already filmed it one day. I think I was, I, it was like a two day shoot. And then uh, I just couldn't quite find a way to bring the narrative of the video together. And so we sat on it for like three or four years. Like we just sat on it. Like the song was out. There was no reason to sit on it for that long. Mm-hmm. But I I couldn't come up with the way to like creatively wrap it up in a way that satisfied me. So I just didn't put it out. And then uh, I ended up deciding like maybe I need to shoot some more footage. Maybe I can tie in like another story with another like this duality, this mirror world type yeah. character. And so I filmed with uh, my friend who passed away, his daughter, and I ended up not using her footage at all, but I spent the day with 
him and her, his daughter in this, you know, old 1914 built school in Shenandoah, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. It's called the JW Cooper Center. It's a really beautiful yeah, internal I've building. Been there. Yeah, been there? Been yeah. There. yeah, yeah. And uh, so Ken Steinmeitz is actually the guy who runs and owns that building. He was in the, he's on like the board of engineers at Penn State. Oh, wow. And that's like one of his big refurbished product projects to give back to the community. And so I hit him up every time I'm like, hey, can I use this space for this video or this or whatever? Yeah. I think we're going to use it for Spitfire for some like the intro credit, like B-roll stuff. Um, but like, you know, he was somebody who was battling with like demons for a while. And, you know, he, you get to a point where it's like, I, I used to get mad when my friends had a friend who killed himself. I'd be like, man, fuck you for this. Like now I got to deal with this because it, you know, things were difficult for you and like you, but the reality is like, they do kind of feel like it's a cup of water that, uh, you know, trauma that's just building up. And then when it mm -hmm. overflows, it just overflows. It's not like it's, that's a great metaphor. you know, it's not like it's one time in, it's not like one act is what pushes somebody over. It can't be, mm -hmm. it has to be this kind of culmination of all of these things building up and bubbling over. And, you know, in light of that, I think it's really important that people realize that if you're a creative and it's getting difficult for you to feel like you're like, why am I doing this? Should I still be doing this? If you're doing it and it's still, you know, your passion is still sparked in it. It may just be your environment. You may just not be in the right place. You got to try to find ways to pivot and you just got to keep going. There's yeah. no way for it to get better unless yeah. you keep going. Mm -hmm. And, and unfortunately that does mean there's going to be some shit valleys. There's going to be real lows that are going to hold yeah. you down and they're going to bury you there. Yeah. They're going to hold you down like they're drowning puppies. One in each hand, just like, oh, I got this dream. This is what I think of your dream of playing professional soccer. Oh, you wanted to be a movie star, huh? Why don't you just take that and oh, yeah. oh, hold it down there? Yeah. Wait till it stops squirming. And you got to be strong enough to to move through your own emotional roadblocks, you know? Yeah, I said this to a friend yesterday that we look at mental health like we put a moniker on it. And yeah. now all of a sudden we've said mental health. We Oh, well, we've identified it. So now mm -hmm. we just got to fix the mental health and then we'll be all right. But it's like, listen it's to how that dumb that sounds. It's, it's like it's such easy. a – there's this myriad number of problems and variables that go into what determines mental health. But the term mental health should imply this concept of mental exercise. And we don't get taught that almost anywhere. No, I'm just learning that now. That's why we're looking at like, you know, TikTok uh, – clips and motivational videos on YouTube and stuff like that. Cause we're looking for that inspiration. Like we are a generation of people that we're not given much. And so we're looking for deeper meaning in literally everything mm -hmm. because we yearn for it. We, we could not be a more hungry society for deeper meaning in our own lives and in the lives of the people around us so that we can feel some sort of like, you know, profound, capability to connect at one another in a way that will mean something in a yeah. lasting way. Now, yeah, the reality is <laughs> entropy and heat death says the universe probably dies in how many billion years do we got? A trillion maybe. Yeah. But like mark your calendar. While I'm here, you know, rage, rage against the dying of the light. Like it, it's it come that light is going to shut out for everybody. Everyone. So it's not like I it's it's a perspective thing and if you need to get some mental exercises of, you know, Hey, I'm starting to have these negative thoughts. Therapy, man. It's so huge. Yep. I can't even describe the number of people that I've told that I, I go to therapy for this or for that. And I had two therapists at one point, one that I went to talk to about work shit and one that I went to talk to about like my growing up shit. Yeah. And I was better for it because I was able to process and compartmentalize as it's coming out. And I don't know why it got like 
we kind of made people that went to therapy feel crazy. And it's like, everything's crazy yeah. in a world where nothing feels no, like yeah. it's, it's right or sane. Like you put anybody in a, you know, a glass box is shrinking. They're going to start to freak out. Exactly. And it's like, that's how they feel. You're you, the world is closing in on you and you don't have any way out. And, and the thing that you love, isn't going to give you the, you know, escape from it. And it's so good to, to talk about it too. Cause as soon as, as soon as I started realizing that the more I spoke about the, the thoughts that ha that I have in my head, like all those doubts and things like that. As soon as I start saying them out loud and saying that I am afraid of that stuff and actually just being real with myself about it, mm -hmm. I feel so much better. And I, I would have never learned that process if I didn't go to therapy, if I didn't try to at least alleviate some of the pressure that I'm putting on myself um, in terms of like what I want for my career or is is my personal life, it, you know, good societally and stuff like that. Um, so I do encourage therapy and I, yeah, I'm happy that you also go to therapy too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, and it takes a while, like it, you, not all two therapists are the same. Yeah. You got to find the right one. It's going to take some shopping gotta, around. Yeah. Feel free to, to tell them, Hey, this isn't working out. I'm going to try somebody else. I've done that. I've had maybe five therapists in the last year and a half, maybe. Right. And I just found one that really works with me. If you can imagine, I don't function well with a, a, a very clinical yeah. psychiatrist or psychologist like I, I i can't benefit in that regard like i don't the the math the x's and the o's the, the you know the paragraphs yeah. of what you're gonna categorize me in that's not gonna help me i need somebody to give me protocols i need somebody that can i can give them information and they can see from the outside to give me a protocol that says hey okay when you're starting to feel like that i want you to think about this and it sounds so stupid to hear it in that context. But then whenever you're put in that position and you're like, what did he say? Oh, yeah. Think about this. And then it's like, it's not like you're distracting yourself from the way you're feeling. You're showing yourself that the way you're feeling is temporary. This mm -hmm. is, you're going to feel shit. Like it's going to come and it's going to go. And there's going to be ups, downs, happy, sads. Like you got to go through all of them. Yep. And you got to give yourself like an avenue to, to learn how to maneuver that emotional. Yeah whatever it is, the emotional turmoil or the triggering that you might be feeling, you, you have to learn how to have a process in your own brain on how to not react to it in the ways that you might have already. Because me, I was a very loud person. I'm very, uh, when I get emotionally charged and that's because, oh, I, yeah, me too. That's yeah, because I, I grew people up telling me shut up yeah, all the time. I'm I grew like, up oh, I'm in just a excited. house. Yeah. I grew up in a house with three other men <laughs> and one woman, my mom. And all of them were loud because we're all Puerto Rican. <laughs> no offense to the rest of my brethren out there. Um, but literally, you have to like sometimes scream to be heard sometimes. Yeah. And because of that, I grew up with a reaction where if I felt as though I was not being, being heard, heard, my reaction was increase your volume. Oh. Make sure that they hear you. They must not hear me. I must exactly. be louder and exactly. then they will hear me. I get that. I'll solve this problem. You know, I connected that with my emotion for anger and that's a bad combination. Yeah. You know, because I don't want anyone to ever fear me. I want them to understand me. That's all I want is people to understand. It's me. a communication issue and exactly. it's the one that is, is solvable. Yeah. And it's, yeah. You, you just need to learn the routines or the process or come together with a therapist or your support system and come up with a plan for how to engage that emotion or how to um, take yourself away from the situation. I always say it's like an equation. If you feel as though the equation isn't 
giving you the correct answer, take yourself out of it and maybe put in a different variable if you have to, or just keep yourself out of the equation altogether. Yeah. Like, I, I don't like the concept that you have this, we, we give it like, oh, this person has a toxic trait. Yeah. Really, that is just a pattern and it's a learned pattern. That's how it gets there. We're, we're nothing but patterns. We're basically programs running on loop. Mm -hmm. So to break that, you're going to need to learn a new pattern. And if we could start looking at it like that and not looking at it like, oh man, I'm, I'm just broken. Like, no, you just, yeah. you just got a pattern. You got to, you got a knot in your system. You just got to untie that knot yeah. and then tie it the right way. And, and don't, don't negatively self-talk. I'm, I'm looking at you, Peyton and Kyler and Jeremy. Don't negatively self-talk. You're a good person. You just made some mistakes. You're a good person. You're very creative. Don't doubt yourself. All right. You can get through those hurdles. So don't doubt yourself. <laughs> Sorry. I got to talk. You're like to the, the only person I've ever had this talk to the camera that much. And I'm like, I feel like I've been missing out on doing well, it. You know, there's, there's going to be people watching because this is a very fun show to be on. Collab or die, everybody. <laughs> Collab or die. Subscribe. Like the video um, and make sure that you subscribe to the Instagram, to the YouTube channel, to the Facebook. Do people still use Facebook? Oh, people yeah. still use Facebook. Uh, and make sure that you you engage with the content because there's a lot of good information here that you should really take into account. You know, he's bringing people in here for you. Yeah, I don't. I'm so glad that like I, I both do and don't give a shit all together. I'm like, I just need to get these. These are conversations that I would have anyway. And I feel like this is a this is like a case in point scenario. Like people might meet you on the street and be like, oh, that's Pablo. He's the filmmaker. Yeah. Super bubbly. One of the nicest guys I've ever met. Like you would never think that that person has shit that they're dealing with. Yeah. And the reality is we all do. Yeah. And if they, if you can just accept that we're all doing this shit together, we, none of us have the answer. We're just trying to figure out how to rewrite our book as we go along to get the outcome that we want at the end of the, you we're know. We're all just trying to survive and go through each day with minimal negative contact. Right. Right. I'm not trying to, I don't want to, if I, if I can't get through this you know, my day without like, you know, causing some sort of, I don't want to go through life or my day and hurt people. I yeah. don't, I, I don't, that is not like my intention. Obviously like selfish decisions get made and this, yeah. And the other thing, like you, you're capable of you're still human. Yeah. You're capable of fucking that up, yeah. but we look at it like we have to be absolute because we get tied to this. No, you should sit in the, the shame, super important. Kind of like this <laughs> curbing mechanism that gets you yeah, back on track. Yeah. If you're feeling a little bit ashamed about something that you did, maybe sit in that for a little bit because it sounds like you're doing something that even you don't want to yeah, be Yeah, that's your brain giving you kind of a hint there. <laughs> right. And so it's like, but you can't be married to it. It can't be your personality. Your, your personality can't be, you're not, you know, Pablo Lopez, I have PTSD. You're like... It's just a part of me. It's yeah. like, it is one facet of about, I can name a hundred others that are a part of what I do. And it's, that's the one that's in the backseat, fucking backseat driving. And I got to deal with every now yeah. and again. Like it just is what it is. You can, sometimes you will eventually conquer it. If you start figuring out how to put it in the, keep it in the backseat and put a bubble around it. Be like, yeah. look, like, it's not feeding me information that is either accurate or true to what I'm going through right now, or, you know, this is like patterns that are just being shouted at me right now. Mm -hmm. It's literally like the, the LaCroix of, you know, <laughs> opinions and feelings on the way you should behave. It's like, oh, okay, you, I, that sounds like a lot of really good 
useful information for somebody who didn't have the exact life that I did. Yeah. So instead of sitting here and having this pity party, I got to look at it like, okay, what can I do moving forward? What are my, what are my actions? I, I just feel really bad. Like this, this thing with my friend that passed away, we weren't even super, super close. We just had a lot of very similar characteristics. He was a really brilliant person, very, very smart. And, you know, I, I called my mom after I was leaving the funeral and I'm bawling on, on, uh, on the drive home. And I'm like, you know, I just feel like it's always really, not always, but a lot of really smart people kill themselves because they're so smart that you can think yourself into a fucking box. And the reality yeah. is that box is just something you thought yourself into because mm -hmm. a large portion of what we can do to just kind of get away from the things that we immediately face is by, like you said, removing yourself from the equation take a step back, go for a walk. Like meditation is a thing for a re you know, reason, just stopping and breathing and being mindful, just giving yourself space in your day to kind of reflect is super, super important. And I feel like it's hard in a hustle and bustle creative world culture that like, we find ourselves in to really give ourselves the grace to do that. But it is this necessary thing in life that you have to kind of figure out a way to mix into your it doesn't, you know, there's Zen in all kinds of things. There's Zen in the art of archery. There's Zen in the art of motorcycle maintenance. Like whatever it is that is your Zen, you got to be able to find a way to get to that place yeah. and and spend time in these mindful places so that you can gain and not just gain, but solidify the perspective that gives you the grounding, you know, force of nature to say like, hey, things are not great right now. They're not going to be great for maybe a while. <laughs> you know, whatever your circumstances are, but- I can weather this storm. I've weathered every other storm. And sometimes that weathering that storm just looks like, hey, all I did was get up, brush my teeth, grab something to eat, and then go back and lay down. It's yeah. like, okay, still here. And the the crazy thing is, is that now, because I've been so open about my PTSD and my borderline personality disorder, I feel like I've been able to help the other creatives who are dealing with this stuff silently. Yeah. Like there there have been times on sets where my sound guy will pull me aside and just open up to me and start crying because of something that he's dealing with. But he feels more comfortable with me because of me being open about it. And that's that's how I want everyone to approach me. You know? Yeah. You can always tell me what's going on and I will always be there to help. Yeah. I, I think it's important to note on that though that like you you can't save other people from drowning no, I'm not, if you're drowning true. i'm not so trying like, to save them i'm trying to give them a shoulder to cry right on. for sure and, and so i think like if you if you know you've got the capacity to pull that off and not have it you know yeah throttle you or, or hurt you because like sometimes you gotta like we have to be able to take care of the self-vessel first so we and i think a lot of people want to help other people and sometimes they do it like i said you, you do it at the cost of yourself mm -hmm. and there's nothing uh wrong with that it's obviously super altruistic but I also like to think of this like thought exercise of like, what if I had the potential to save 1 million people if I just kept myself alive until year 10? And I don't know why. I don't know what any of it is between A to Z. But I know if I make it to Z, 100, you know, what did I say? A million, 100 million people, 100 million people now, 100 million people survive. Then it's like, okay, then it kind of makes all this other shit in between here not have the same stakes right. as that. And the reality is I'm going to be, whether or not that happens, I will still be going through all these ups and downs and these, you know, successes and failures and stuff along the way. You just have to be able to be humble in the face of the universe yeah. that is not opposed to. Look at that. Full circle. Kicking you into the ground if it needs to. Just got to be humble. Yeah. <laughs>
don't disappear, but be humble. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with it, man. Like, it, it is hard to, like, not even in the bragging sense, right? But, like, it's, it's hard to be like, hey, I don't know nearly as much as I think I do. I am feeling a lot of ways, and a lot of those ways I'm feeling because of patterns that I've, you know, developed over my lifetime from my upbringing, mm-hmm. my social circle, my this, my that. Like, yeah. we, we've all got an upbringing that is going to shift and alter us. It's like you got to figure out your worth. You need to be able to see the forest for the trees and actually be like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm in this though. Like I'm here just by the grace of existing. Like I've hit the lottery. Like there's a very good chance that I could have ended up in a napkin or a trash can or something like that. Like, so the fact that I'm here, it's like, okay, like that's the blessing. And if you can be happy that this is going on, then everything else kind of feels like icing on the cake. Yeah. So speaking of icing on the cake, do you have any icing that you're going to be creating within the next couple months for your creative cake? Yeah, unfortunately, and for my my personal cake, <laughs> like not, not even the cake that pays me, <laughs> but the cake that I want to be making. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're in this really interesting and fun phase of of creation where you know the song is done, and I've had these vibes and energies and you know, the things that I feel like aesthetically are going to be a part of this video, and I'm pushing the envelope a little bit my, with myself when. Uh, you know, the creative space that we're working in, in the post-production sense. And I am looking at tapping into more of like the short form, uh, you know, short story, short film. Like, you know, for Spitfire, I want to do like a 30 second intro to the thing that kind of tees up yeah. the space. And I don't know what that looks like. I, I Sometimes I think of things very linearly. Like I have to tell a story that leads us to the beginning and then that has to go to the end and that's it. That's obviously not the end all be all of all storytelling. There's yeah. so many different ways that we could handle this, but I want to find some interesting way to kind of tie this intro 30 second short story into what is kind of baked into the narrative of the video so that it kind of has like a, you know, a purpose and it feels like it belongs there and and why. And so with that, so I mean, you know, when you're really too, too close to the subject material, it's Some, really yeah, difficult yeah. to kind of create. Yeah. I've been able to give myself some distance while I've been working on other songs. So you now need fresh I'm coming eyes. Back. Yeah, I'm coming back with like fresh eyes to kind of yeah. do that. So I'm really excited about that. Really excited to play some shows over the fall and, uh, you know, stretch my wings and fly a little bit. It's super cool to see Relic Hearts so, like continue growing and expanding and elevating kind of like your creative endeavors with what you're trying to do with your projects. So, and I'm trying to do it to the network of people that are around me too. Yeah. Like I know a lot of musicians that like, I think they look at videos as like task, this thing that they have to do. But I'm like, <laughs> it. this is the visual representation of the way you feel about yeah. this music that you say you give a shit about. Mm-hmm. If you haven't thought about that yet, that's okay. You can find people that can help you figure out what your vision for that might look like. And also at the end of the day, that's not the last song you're going to write. It's not like you're hanging up your songwriting <laughs> after that. So quit getting so hung up on it that yeah. you don't do anything. Yeah. Like you can't do that. And I'm, I did that for years, you know, like. A lot of people do. Uh, I'm, I'm just excited. I'm like, I, I, I believe in a lot of the potential of the other artists that I uh, know are in this area. And, you know, another reason why a, a film or a media production house coming together makes the most sense, right? Like, I, I look at it like that is what bands need. That's what, you know, this person who does whatever that shit is where they lira hoop and like they the ribbons and they, they oh, yeah, spin yeah, 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 yeah. and shit like that cool, why don't we have a cool place where we can like have people that practice that stuff? Cause like, I bet there are some filmmakers that would love to, uh, you know, film that kind of stuff in high res, high resolution, high shutter speed, high frame rate so that they can slow it down yeah. and see like really interesting things. You know, 
there's just, we need that space. And I don't know what it's going to take for us to get there, but I think it comes in the form of, you know, about 52 people that are all basically doing the same thing and scattered remnants around the area coming together and being like, Hey, we can, we can actually make this a thing and make this something that's possible mm -hmm. and, and create is it. And not in like a, if you build it, they will come type scenario, but in the, it, they're already here. So please fucking build it. Yeah. Like we're ready. Like yes, we've got a lot of filmmakers that need it. Like we need a, a, a studio warehouse. I will take this. the ax man spot. Titan Energy Park. Uh, if anyone out there knows, did you look at that spot? Oh too? my God, it is that so. It, dude, square foot. I want it so bad. Yeah, it, and I think like so. I thought about going in and saying like, okay, if we could, I went in with. Uh, I want to partner with someone and just do it. Uh, like literally, I will talk to Angel and Jason at the Happy Valley Song Lab because they we were looking together at getting into this, and you know the first thing I thought of is like, okay, if we did a multi year lease for five years or whatever, could we? get a lower rate on the per square foot of this 80,000 square foot facility yeah. and turn it into an event center, like a, like a modular media and That's entertainment exactly center. exactly how I was thinking about it. It's a beautiful place. It'd be great for a wedding venue. It would be great for like- the, it, there, So many different avenues. But the space is is media warehouse savvy and ready. You got, you know, you have to compartmentalize, you have to figure out how you want to lay it out. But the, there'll be some of the building, the foundations there, the, the structures for lighting is it's all there. Yep. And it even has, that's the, so funny. We looked did, at the same. Yeah. Place. Did you see the wait? Are did you see the side with uh, the gate that could open? Cause I'm like, Oh, yeah, we can yeah. bring trucks and cars in yep. here, dude. I said about, I was like, that would be a great place. Uh, the loading dock. I would just make yeah. like a venue. I would make like a venue back there and I would have like, you could turn the stage around and now we're facing this way and you can do one of these like, you know, outdoor shows in the summer. Okay. It's cold. We're going to shut that cold raining. Come inside, drape the <laughs> curtains. And then we'll, you know, you have like, there's some installs there's yeah. some stuff that would have to go yeah. into it. But I've been in venues that are way smaller and way worse and not enjoyed them at all. And this is a place that the, the meat and bones are there. Like I, I saw the area that I thought this would be the green room. And like, I, I walked around and had this entire like map laid out for it. And, uh, you know, it just comes down to yeah. getting people to, what's funny is that it's like all the creatives in this area, it's like a no fucking brainer. They're like, we need this place. If we had this place, people would come from afar to come here. There's a place in Lidditz, Pennsylvania next to, uh, it's kind of like a hard rock cafe style hotel. And it's right next to a, an amphitheater where they, they don't even play shows there. The amphitheater is specifically for stage and dress rehearsals for like massive tours beyonce boom goes there you can try you can sit there for like a week or two and work through your lighting design and your you know your tour Holy production hell. for the whole tour and that's smart that's super smart and they just have this hotel that's basically like industry just they go there and do that and they stay in this hotel next door and so it's like self-feeding into it, paying for itself and also like it's very clear that if it exists people will come we're right off of interstate 80 right off of i-99 like there are all these ways where people yeah. could get here and as this area continues to build the classic case of you know state college pennsylvania being 10 years behind the decade of you know the times and where we are and what we need you know we'll have all yeah. of this shit when everybody else is like you know when it, already yeah. in space and they're doing their films up there where there's like a you know I, I it feels like you just can't win but case in point you got to keep going yeah and i think that yeah you're right i think we we uh we figure out this team of like, you know, 10 to 15 people we put on a board and say like, this is what we're going to do. Because the best thing about that location is <laughs> while we build it out to be a media space, it's kind of already ready 
to be kind of shootable. Yeah, 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 yeah it's I can shoot in it. It's done. You, even the way that it is right now, it's already ready to right. like just do things inside of it. Yep. It's insane. And I, if you had an event center there and you were doing like weddings, wedding receptions and things wedding like that. Wedding receptions. You got catering uh, and all kinds of stuff from the trade shows just for the time being to get some revenue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rental space. It's like there's there's so many different avenues that we haven't actually tried yet in terms of creating spaces for creatives in this area, unless you're talking Penn State. But then you need to be a student to you to utilize any of those locations, Innovation Park, uh, the the Willard Complex. And those are the only two green screens, the only two white sites, the only two black sites. Outside of everyone I've ever built in the area that, <laughs> yeah. that I've needed to facilitate some project I've needed to do. Yeah, I mean, dude, you're not wrong. And, and the problem is like, I don't know, it's just a bunch of old white dudes and white women clutching their pearls at the idea that they might have, like, I don't know what they're afraid of fostering. We have, we just got out of arts fest weekend. So yeah. clearly if we're supporting the arts, there's a whole lot more than like craft arts out there. Like, and I, I saw a lot of great art. This is like probably the best arts fest I've seen in years. The best. I'm telling you as someone who works at the visitor center, it was the best weekend <laughs> that and, we've had in a while. So and that's great. And we've got the, the, you know, the state theater. And then there's like that, uh, the theater that's right on Allen. Then there's, mm -hmm. uh, but like outside of these places that seem like it's a cool kid club. If you don't know how to get into it, you, you can't use it for anything. Yeah. So, and how much of that is largely sitting unused? And if it's not being unused, it's set up for a production that is like going to sit there for however long. And then what kind of numbers are they doing? Three dots just got approved for like, it was like a $20,000 grant. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's great. But there are things that they could be doing too. Like they're, they're, they're not doing certain things that they should be doing that helps yeah. create these things. And I'm not trying to tell anybody how to do what they are doing or how to, how they should be doing it better. I just happen to think I could, <laughs> but I couldn't do all of it. And I'm not claiming that I could, but the reality is there's, there's this one, that, we've got people here that go to school that have like over a million TikTok followers. Yeah. These are creatives that have like serious social outreach and we can't capitalize on them at all because we just don't have the place. There's not anybody that's got the ability to invest in, you know, we see alumni that leave and come back. Like how many film alumni have left here that have made good money that would want to donate to seeing a place that was available for students? Like it's got to be accessible, but managed in a way where it's like, it's probably gonna have to be a multi-floor thing. That, yeah. You know what? That's, that is crazy that you bring that up because Modern Family, Ty Burrell, was definitely a Penn State alum. Yeah. And even in the height of Modern Family, I don't think they ever brought him back to, like, capitalize on that. Right. So Keegan-Michael Key got his master's here. Only works he with the football department. Right. What is that all about? You're <laughs> like, bro, you're... I understand you look like Keegan, Franklin, like, what is happening right now? Like, Help a brother out. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. So I, I see what you mean. And uh, I mean, I'm trying to and I, I think that's what I've been doing the last year is working with different venues so that we can create kind of um, a library of locations of people who are very open to working with filmmakers right. and renting out their spaces. So that way we can make a catalog for us to push towards the film commission be like look at all these spaces right. that are eager and ready and willing to work with film productions especially in our lulls, you know, uh, the beginning of J uh, June uh, to like the middle of August, there are like very big dead spots in between those. I right. guess, I guess now in June, 
now Iron Man is going to be taking over some of that time. Right. But I mean, that's athletics. I get everybody loves athletics. Right, right, right. But I'm talking film here. Right. Let's bring some creative energy into the area. PA Film uh, Commission, if you're listening, which I know you are, because this is a very popular podcast. It's one of the best. And if you don't believe me, check the analytics. Uh, no, no, don't check the analytics. <laughs> don't look at that. No, but seriously, we have so many creative people in the area, so many businesses that want to work with creative people and so many venues that want to work with creative people that I think it is the right time to kind of utilize this area, Happy Valley, as another point. Because you have Philadelphia, you have Pittsburgh, where somewhere in the middle there, we can create that pipeline from production in Philly to or even just pre-production in Philly, production in Happy Valley to post-production in Pittsburgh. Right. Any type of amalgamation of those three things, I think we create a very tight-knit Hollywood in Pennsylvania. Yeah, man. I I we're we we're not far off. We just need some we don't need this, but there are people that have succeeded and and raised to a new plateau. Mm-hmm. And if there are any of them out there that have the I, I like I'm not I don't want a handout. I'm not asking for a hand-me-down. I'm just saying there are people that have the capability and the uh, opportunity to be able to invest in this area in a way that a place that really means a lot to them. A lot of the, you know, how many college communication majors leave yeah. here and make good money and would love to have benefited from something like that. It's yeah. like there's an opportunity to invest into the culture here and the space here where you grew up or maybe you want to come back and work. Like this is a great place to live for a very good reason. It's basically a small city with very rural feel. Like you can't ask for anything. It's a such, it's an ignorantly safe area. And like it, to the degree that it actually kind of makes people get like a little soft. It gives me anxiety sometimes because right. I come from Reading, New York, like oh, uh, Philly, like definitely right. don't want to leave your car unlocked. Yeah. 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 And yeah, here, guy. here people are just like, oh yeah, no, leave the keys in the car. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. My I can't even say this on air. I'm going to say it on air because this, this should bite him on the ass. If it hasn't, it should. He, My brother leaves his wallet in his fucking car all the time. I'm like, bro, no. what are you doing? And it's like, anybody could look in there and see that. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm like so eager and ready and hungry. I'm so hungry to do what I love doing for the rest of my life as, as long and as, as much as I can. Right. Know? And the, and the thing is, the people that run this area, the theys of this area that are a part of like you know, the borough and all the different councils that run everything, they want people to want to live here and do the things that they want to do here. Mm-hmm. And maybe this isn't the most like uh, immediately lucrative community, but it yields, I think, ideally the most social reach and potential yeah. based off of the type of work that gets completed here. Yeah. It's not like it's medical. It's not like it's not Lockheed Martin, you know, That's a like, good way of putting there's, it. Yeah. there's capability to build some real interesting cultural community here that I could easily stand the test of time and be ahead of the curve, uh, you know, as opposed to a bunch of other areas. But it just seems like one of those things where it's like, okay, we just got to keep rowing. Eventually these dots will connect and people, maybe somebody sees a podcast, maybe somebody, you know, this one. Keegan Michael Keegan decides to come in and come in and you know invest in the infrastructure of that that community here so that it can actually thrive because it will if it, mm-hmm. it it's already here it just doesn't have it doesn't have a home yeah and if it had a home I mean there'd be people I, like I would pay a monthly rental 
fee 100%. to have access to a place where I could do all this and, and have access to a pool of people in the area that do this kind of creative and, you know, oh, maybe they're a nonprofit and they have the ability to like sponsor some people that like don't have the money to fund, you know, their membership, but could easily benefit from the, the you know, the facilities and the, and, and the infrastructure of like, you know, mentors and teachers and new students and like classes and seminars and all yeah. kinds of stuff. Like, see that, that's what I'm trying. That is how I'm trying to do it, you know? And I'm working with the tourism bureau here. Uh, I've been able to kind of have kind of a seat in some of those areas where I'm at least meeting people from the borough who have a say in some of that stuff. And I get to, you know, meet with people like Three Dots and other creatives in the area who are trying to do big things and just see how all of that is melding together. So that way I can kind of see what is needed in terms of resources. Right. And then I take that back to my grantor, try to see what we can get uh, in terms of sponsorship, investments, stuff like that. And then I try to facilitate some of that myself as well. Um, it's not the easiest thing to freaking do. And at the same time, I'm just trying to do it so that way, if something big does happen in this area in terms of production studio and stuff like that, I can at least have a foot in the door to help bring it to fruition, you know? Yeah. You're in a very critical phase of things where the reconnaissance is the important part. Because yeah. right now we got to see there are a bunch of moving pieces. We need to see how all those moving pieces work individually and where we can start kind of threading the needle to tie some of these things together. Because a couple of these ships being tied together starts to form like an armada that we can actually exactly. utilize. Yeah. But and it's a slow and steady process, like you said earlier today. Yeah. But at the same time, it is a process. And once the process is done, hopefully the goal will be accomplished. Yeah. And that goal is to bring more film into the area. It's to create a space for the creatives that are already in this area to thrive in, as well as to be able to do what we love. Yeah, I mean, the long term ramifications of that are going to be media and i i mean I, I shudder to use the term content but like you know short films and documentaries and all kinds of things that will go out into the world and have again like that once it's done and created and it's released mm -hmm. it's it's out of our hands really how far it can go because however people perceive it and receive it and are able to interpret it and then pass it forward where it grows once it's released you know we can't possibly understand that but what we can know is that at the very least, if it's if it's starting here and it's getting done and it's being released here, it's going to grow a community here. Yeah. And that community is going to put out some profound art over time. And that profound art has a very lasting impact on society and culture and, you know, m m and very specifically, you know, the local community here when it comes to the economy. Like, I, I would love to see a red carpet that was not embarrassing to drive by. <laughs> you know, like, it would be good if we could do something that, like, actually got people excited yeah. for it. Yeah. And, and without fostering that culture, you can't do that. I it's just a matter of time. I think with the with the new breed of people in the area who are very passionate about what they want to be doing. Yeah. I think it's just a matter of time. Well, Pablo, I hope we're here when it happens because I want to see it happen. Yeah. I want to see us get to that point because I feel like there's a, a lot we can give back to the community through doing it and also a lot of ways that we would be able to benefit from completing a lot of the projects that we would love to have, but we don't have that airport hangar. You know what right, I'm saying? Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's build one, baby. Let's build one. <laughs>
Pablo, man, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Uh, this won't be the last time. I'm looking forward to having you on, but when you have some uh, oh. shows that are coming out and some short films and things Definitely. like that, we can kind of get you into yeah. talking uh, promote them up. For anybody out there who's interested in knowing more about me, Dark Mind Pro on pretty much all social media. Uh, Dead Girl uh, by Rachel Sweeney, produced by Dark Mind Productions in L.A. is premiering at the L.A. Uh, Short Film Fest. I believe that's Academy Award qualifying if they win. So definitely show her some love on the Dark Mind Pro page, uh, as well as Floor One Productions. They have just finished their uh Proof of concept for Birds of the Valley, uh, The Last Supper. Once that is up for viewing, I highly encourage everyone to visit the Dark Mind page and take a look at that. Uh, darkmindproductions.com. We have a lot of articles on our blog about the strike and about uh, just working together as a film community, different aspects of film and film analysis. So if any of that stuff interests you, highly encourage you to go take a look at it. It's written by people from the Dark Mind community. And from myself as well, anybody who's interested in film, I highly encourage you to reach out. We're always happy to collaborate and help guide people. Um, at the end of the day, your projects should be made. Always. That'll do it, dude. That's, a, that's <laughs> the, the most resounding, solid plug I've ever heard in one take. That was like all in one breath, I feel like. Well, when you're a performer, not least. <laughs> yeah, right. That is a wrap on another episode of the Collaborate Eye podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed making this episode for you. And now it's time for our favorite part of the show, the part where I beg you to please hit that like button, subscribe, and turn on those notifications so you never miss an episode. And don't be shy. Give us a shout out on social media at Collaborate Eye podcast on all the cool platforms to share your thoughts, your feedback, and your love. Until next time, Collaborate Eye, baby.